Thanks for joining us again, wherever you're listening to this, whenever you're listening to this. It's the Metalist Podcast. I'm Dave. I'm Jason. Also known as World Eater. So today we're going to talk about a band that's very, very near and dear to a lot of people's hearts. And actually... Fucking crazy! We're going we're gonna to start with a song, which is something different. This band played at the City Center Theater. About 1,000 people watched the show. The concert was a jam session. It was a kick-ass rock show. Bolt thrower, bolt thrower, bolt thrower, bolt thrower. The band played it on the screen. It really rocked our socks off. The crowd roared like a lion. They can really rock it like a magic kiss. Bolt thrower, bolt thrower, bolt thrower, bolt thrower. The show was this? awesome. A lot of people met the band. The concert was a rock show. Bolt thrower can really knock it out. Bolt thrower, bolt thrower, bolt thrower, bolt thrower. Walgreens. It's a pharmacy America trusts. Rest in peace, <laughs> Wesley Willis. And also a huge, huge, huge Rutchison piece to the late drummer of Bolt Thrower, Mr. Martin Kearns. Martin Kearns. And rest in peace to Bolt Thrower. Today we're talking about Bolt Thrower. So, <laughs> have you never heard that song? I don't think I've ever heard uh, you that gotta, You gotta sit down and introduce yourself to Wesley Willis one of these days. You will appreciate it. I guess that's a... My favorite song of his is uh, Suck a Cheetah's Dick. <laughs> So you can start with that or both throwers. It's just it's, it's all pretty much the same song. Suck a cheetah. Yeah, the the big one I think is cut the mullet, but we'll save that for another day. I, oh now I'm curious as to God. what his top songs actually are. Anyways, that's pretty amazing. So yeah, old school death metal, very 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 straightforward from the UK, Coventry specifically. Oh yeah. Let's get you started. What was your first exposure to bolt thrower? I mean. I knew people, I'd heard the name for, I mean, forever. It's right around the time, well, I guess it's a little bit before graduation, but I mean, we're talking like, it's right there. I mean, you know, 89, I think I was probably, I think I was like a sophomore, maybe freshman, probably, probably sophomore. And I mean, everything right there was like, you know, fucking Priest had just dropped Painkiller you know, Maiden had dropped uh, Seventh Son. Metallica dropped fucking And Justice for All. You know, Rust in Peace is just around the corner, Seasons in the Abyss. You know, and so for the most part, that was kind of just like where I was at. Like I I had heard death at this, at this point, and it wasn't something I was into. You know what I mean? Shit, I was still, I mean, I was still fucking rocking like, you know, Guns N' Roses and Skid Row and fucking rat and motley crew and you know dr feelgood is just about to come out at this point also when i mean i'm talking 89 when like realm of chaos comes out you know and it's like um you know and i never played warhammer so it's like i never really you know knew whatever i mean shit dude like fourth crusade comes out and i mean that's like my senior year in high school you know but this stuff wasn't easy to get in the united states 
<laughs> well, probably in a city, it probably would, would have been easier. But I mean, out where I live, like, fuck, forget about it, dude. Like, there's there's no way. There was probably, you know, the odds of me running into somebody who listened to Bolt Thrower, you know, at that time was probably pretty slim. I mean, until 4 Victory came out in 94, I think that probably would have been around the time where if, you know, I may have, uh, it would have been a little more possible for me to run into somebody who had heard Bolt Thrower. But, I mean, I think the first shit of Bolt Thrower I ever heard, I mean, I think the first stuff I ever heard uh, was off of War Master. But I know it was probably around the time Mercenary came out, 98, maybe 99. By then I'd kind of ran, there was, you know, in 99 where I lived, there's probably more people from other areas that were moving in. You know, and, and, and I was meeting a lot of the people. Like, so it wasn't just like the same, you know, fucking whatever kids growing up. You know what I mean? Like, it was, um, and I'm talking like just, you know, you had this core group of people that you you knew or you kind of knew them, but like you at least knew that they listened to metal. So, you know, fucking cut that in half. And that's the amount of people that might listen to death metal if they had ever heard it. So it was kind of like pretty hard to, to come across. I mean, really, I mean, but by the time 98's around, I mean, you know, yeah, everybody's got fucking Napster, you know, or, or fucking Kazar, Morph, Morpheus or whatever the fuck. I mean, you know, you're starting to get into file sharing. So it's like, all right, you know, now it's like, you know, anybody that had their hands on mercenary, you know, has probably either bought, you know, went back and bought. Cause I mean, I think by this time, I don't even think they're on earache anymore. So like they're on metal blade, maybe. So yeah, their their stuff's probably in in the record stores or whatever. But like for me, it was like I'd heard. I think I heard the song War Master, and it was just like, uh, you know, like I like to talked about in the OSDM episode, man. I mean, I was pretty much you know didn't realize I was into more. I guess stuff that's more on the technical side, you know, not necessarily considered tech death, but like stuff that's more like in that realm. And and I mean. You know, so many new things are going on in, in 1998, 1999, you know, I mean, I'm in a fucking straight up like new metal, like rap metal kind of band or whatever. And, you know, I'm getting to that point where, you know, it's like, oh, I'm getting to the point where I'm kind of over new metal and stuff. And, and I mean, I remember hearing it. It was just like, oh, I mean, this is like, I mean, I think the first thing I thought when I heard it was like something that would be considered groove metal. So, I mean, maybe not as fucking groove metal is fucking something like prong but something more along the lines of like later sepultura or nothing's really coming you know even fucking pantera like uh you know shit like pissing razors and stuff like that like where it's um the one thing i did notice though that i that was different than all those bands were like were the riffs you know the drums were actually quite tame by the by my standard but the riffs were like they were different they were they were more like obituary to me, especially at the time. I don't necessarily hear that. I mean, I do still, I've, um, I, I still do like when I was listening this week, you know, like really diving into the whole entire catalog. Yeah. I mean, I kind of realized like they're, they're probably a little bit closer than to obituary than I even gave them credit for in the first place. But the one thing that really stuck out that I did like, I mean, I, I, I really liked, um, Carl Willett's vocals specifically up to Merc, like up to, um, I think mercenary was the one that I heard where I 
didn't really like his vocals. Yeah, it's, it's like Mercenary and Honor, Valor, Pride in 2001. Even listening back to it now, like, I mean, spoiler, like nothing off that stuff is in my list because that's, he's singing with a totally different fucking style. And I, and I, I just like the other way. You know what I mean? He's almost more like a hardcore, like a low register hardcore vocalist on those two albums. Well, Honor, Valor, Pride's not even Carl Willits. I thought none of, I, so there's and Van Drunen, and then there's also Dave Ingram from Benediction. Mm-hmm. Neither one of them recorded with him, did they? Honor, Valor, Pride was Dave Ingram. Oh, so Dave Ingram actually recorded with him? Yeah. I didn't know that, but like, yeah, it's a totally different vocal, and I don't just, I'm like, eh, I mean, it's not that I don't like it, I just like Willits better. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, you know what I mean? Like, But the sound on Honor, Valor, Pride, is I, I really like that sound. Yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? Like that sounds fucking nice, dude. You know what's funny too about the Martin thing is I was I was searching high and low on YouTube to see if there was anything with him because he was with him for three years. Fucking nothing, but it's commonly searched to the point where it's like the uh, that's the second thing under his name if you look it up on YouTube. That's funny. But just what a weird because at least Dave Ingram's in the park, right? Like Martin is such a different type of vocal altogether. Oh yeah. So I'd be curious about how that messed up, you know, like. I mean, fuck, like, well, and I, I always think it's funny too with Van Drunen because you look it up, it's like, oh, the singer of Pestilence, but I mean, he recorded five albums with Aspic. Yeah. It's you know, it's like pretty sure he should, you know, that should be number one on his for sure. Thing, it's you funny know what I mean? how spotty some of these guys' discography are, especially because talking about Dave Ingram when his tenure with um, Benediction, right, like. He was with them for a little while, and then he wasn't for a long time, and then he is again. And then they're like, there's this weird, I don't know, just something about this class of dudes from the UK and, and Europe, and like some of their track record is, it's funny to me, but I kind of like that. See, man, I think there's songs where it's like, I mean, like Suspect Hostile. I mean, it's almost like Final Thoughts, right? It's like, da 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 But they throw their thing up. If that would have been Carl Willett's fucking singing on that album, fuck. Yeah, for sure. I would have, I mean, there'd probably be more shit on that album in my fucking list. Cause like, it's nothing against the Benediction dude either. Cause I do like Benediction like quite a mm-hmm. bit. It's just not, I almost want to say like, well, I mean, it's just, it's, it's not fucking bolt thrower. Like granted the music is exactly fucking bolt thrower. They're very, um, you know, we were talking before we were recording. They're very, very samey sounding dude you know if you haven't heard bolt thrower and you want to listen to some bolt thrower i mean you literally could listen to like three songs and you have the whole catalog yeah. down. their whole thing was consistency whereas a lot of yes. their peers were experimenting and they wanted to keep it as straight as possible it's i mean it's like obituary yeah i would say they in fact they pro- they probably experimented more than these guys i would say the other way around like it's interesting, like their trajectory. Okay, I guess I should preface first. So my first exposure was when I was still getting into like buying magazines when I was really, really diving head in, you know, 12, 13, 14. I guess it would have been around the time Mercenary came out because if you remember, I think it was Hit Parader. You remember like they it was like, okay, you get all the mainstream stuff in the front and then in the like back pages, you get the more underground stuff. And one of them was they had a review for Bolt Thrower Mercenary. And I was like, oh, this... It's interesting because aesthetically, this art isn't really like anything I've seen up to that point. I'm still learning and understanding about death metal and just metal in general. And this doesn't really look 
specifically like anything I've seen before. It's, it's kind of a different vibe. The logo itself, their logo is very unique amongst all their peers. It's, it's got a colorful center and it doesn't look like a typical logo. It looks more like, as I would find out later, a Warhammer logo. And I didn't make that connection until years later. There was a guy in my sixth grade class that played Warhammer and, and was trying to get more people into it and make it a thing so he had more people to play with. I just didn't make that connection until years later. So, you know how some bands, you just have like a really concrete memory of when you first heard them. I, I don't so much for Bolt Thrower. It's like, it's like I was just kind of getting into everything all at once. I was like, oh, here's that Bolt Thrower band, you know, kind of kind of similar to the Morbid Angels. Oh, here's that Morbid Angel band, you know, that I've seen so much about. And nothing really making a huge impact. I just figured out later, oh, they're just really good. You know what I mean? Like, they're just really, really good at what they do. And so somewhat recently, I decided I'm going to try to make a more concerted effort to get into them and understand them. And so I'm like, okay, I'm going to work. You know, sometimes we choose... Unless we're very specifically guided, we either start at the very beginning or we start at the very end. And I was like, well, fuck it. I'll just start at the last one for those once loyal. And, uh, or yeah, those once loyal, I guess I should say. And I was just like, holy shit, this is awesome. All right, what else they got? <laughs> okay, so first of all, 2008 rolls around. I've never seen a Rambo movie, but the movie Rambo it's just called Rambo comes out and my brother wants to go see it. So we decided, Oh, fuck it. Let's go see Rambo. And I was like, Holy shit. That was awesome. I guess I should go see all the others as well. And this was in the days when Netflix was doing the three DVDs mailed to you thing. So I get first blood, first blood Two, Rambo and Rambo three. And I watch them. I'm like, okay, I can see how these are good for the time and important. And they are good, but like, why settle for that now that there's Rambo Rambo from 2008? You know what I mean? And that's pretty much when I'm really deciding to get into Bolt Thrower and I start with those once loyal. I'm just like, okay, you know what I mean? <laughs> These other records exist and I'm glad they do. It's just probably only listen to those once loyal. So that's a year or two ago. So this was a good <laughs> excuse to um, really see if that's how I still felt. Uh, for the most part, Yes. There's definitely some good stuff in there, and especially now, so certain things are hitting me a little different than they did before, but for the most part, it's just like, dude, they fucking nailed it on those Once Loyal. So much so, apparently, that they were like, we're going to scrap all the rest of the stuff we're doing now because it's not up to par, and and obviously, they broke up after that, but just like, I, I kind of commend them for being like, no, we know what we've done. We, we're, we're just going to stop there and just play shows. I'm like, hey, you go, man. To the point where now I regret not seeing them when I had the chance in 2013 with Benediction and Autopsy. Now I'm just like, ugh, man. And what a lineup, too, right there, as far as, like, classic heavy hitters of just really good death metal from the late 80s and early 90s, dude. Like, fuck. But, yeah, the discography's interesting. I love the story about them. It's, it's the two guitar players who are named Barry and Gavin. Awesome death metal names. But the idea that they were at a hardcore show somewhere in their area in the UK and they talked about forming a band while they were in the bathroom of, of this fucking hardcore show and then they just went from there. They talked about their humble beginnings, you know, being in the hardcore and crust punk scene with Discharge and Crass, all these really punk and hardcore roots. And then their turning point was hearing venom but then even more specifically slayer and they're like oh we should do a band like this 
So then they recruit one of their girlfriends at the time, the notorious Joe Bench, extreme metal icon on bass. And then they get their drummer and then... Shout out. Carl Willits, man. And that, that's the funny story too, was Carl Willits started out as the guy driving him around on tour. Like he wasn't even in the band. They just needed a singer and they're like, well, we got rid of our old singer. It's, it's your turn. And so like on those first recordings... You're hearing him figure it out as he goes along. And by osmosis, there's also some grindcore elements because Napalm Death is right down the road, you know, a half hour away, right? So, like, and that's what's happening at the time. So you got them experimenting with blast beats. Early on, apparently they're called Drunk Slayer because they're, like, notoriously sloppy, but that's part of their sound. Interesting. Have you Did you listen to that first <laughs> album? The one that's, like, not on streaming? Oh, no. It's cool in the late 80s fashion, you know, when they're just figuring it out. Like, well, just like, even I am just like, yeah, but there's better versions of this. You know what I mean? Like, but it's it's a black and white cover. It's very much that late 80s, hey, we're just getting this started. We're just figuring it out aesthetic. Fast forward to their second album, Realms of or Realm of Chaos, where they get full on associate. Apparently, the guy that owned and operated the company that did Warhammer was a fan of Bolt Thrower and said, hey, man, we'll collaborate with you. Let's put some actual honest to god warhammer art on this thing oh yeah and i actually like this one a lot more like they're way more blasty like like when i saw the grindcore influence on the first one i'm like i guess in as much as it's extreme metal meets hardcore and punk at the time you know it's not particularly grindy to my ears the songs are like five minutes long this next one with realm of chaos makes a lot more sense like it's not very consistent blasting but it's there and there's an aesthetic. Definitely. They're the lyrics. It's just like they're not particularly horror. They're not gore. They're not satanic. They're not really anything. They're fucking Warhammer yeah. lyrics, man. It's just straight up, especially you know? on these early albums, it's about Warhammer stuff, man. Like, like they have two songs on here that are specific, definitely specific to Warhammer by name, and that's Plague Bear and World Eater. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know about any of the other stuff, but I mean, as far as this album goes, but. I definitely know those two are specific to Warhammer. This is kind of where it all starts, right? I mean, it just turns into fucking... It, it, it turns into war metal. Yeah. I mean, not the actual genre war metal, but it's fucking metal about war. And, like, like there's even a goddamn song they have called War, and I love that. Like, like it's just straight up. You know what you're getting in store for. Sometimes it's fun to have no surprises. Sometimes it's fun to just have reliability, consistency. Well, so that's the thing, too. We talk about, like, the little changes they did make. You go on to the next album, War Master. There's some discrepancy with they're not working with the actual War Hammer people because the guy sold the company and they wanted X amount for the art, but the guy that did the art still hooked them up. So there's a consistent image throughout the beginning. And so apparently around this time, they decide they're going to phase out Blast Beats because they think Blast Beats are dated. Like, we'll get to a Grindcore episode one day, I'm sure, but just the idea that even the originators of Grindcore were, like, really tired out of it at first you know it's and they wanted to move on to other things like you know napalm the original lineup notoriously left because they were like well what else are we gonna do we just did an album or two of just blast beats and short songs what else is there to you know expunge from that and apparently bolt thrower felt the same so there was only a handful of songs that had blast beats on them and then that was it from there they said they didn't want to quote unquote feel dated which is such a wild thing to think of now um oh yeah do you have a preference between Realm of Chaos and Warmaster? Warmaster for sure. Really? Okay. There's parts, yeah, because there's parts on Realm of Chaos, man, where it's just like everything just sounds off. And 
I just, it's a hard, it's, it's, it's fine if you're off a little bit, in my opinion. Um, to some degree, that can actually help. But there's some stuff, man, where it's just like, dude, like this just does not do it, do it for me. However, I mean, I do have, I mean, one of my songs is off of Realm of Chaos, one of my five. But, I, I mean, as far as the entire album, it's, yeah, I mean, Realm, um, uh, War Master... If we're picking between those two, I mean, War Master for sure, I think is better. I, I think they took what, you know, what they were doing with Realm of Chaos and just really made it a lot better. I, like they kind of know what they're. In fact, I wouldn't, I wouldn't say they know what they're doing on War Master either. They don't know what they're doing yet. You know, yeah. they're just doing. Yeah, it. exactly. I, I think this is where they're really starting to figure out what they're going to be doing, and then by the time Fourth Crusade comes out, I mean, they're there. Yeah, for sure. I mean, it didn't take them long, you know? I mean, and a lot of times it doesn't, <clears throat> you know, but I think it's kind of a little more coming together on War Master than it was on Realm of Chaos. Yeah, it's the perfect in-between talking about what they did in the past and what's going to come, you know, after that. It makes total sense that that's the transitional album. It's also when they start working with Colin Richardson, which... In my mind, it's like, oh, yeah, dude, and then magically Heartwork appeared one day, and that's the Colin Richardson sound, not thinking about, you know, fucking Symphonies of Sickness by Carcass in its most puerile and raw form. And then after that, you have everything else he did with Carcass. You have the first, well, the first majorly released Fear Factory album in Soul of a New Machine. You have the stuff he did with Napalm. I Actually, no, because, like, diatribes inside the Torn Apart and Words from the Exit Wound are kind of more closer to what you think of oh colin richardson figured out his sound right it's utopia banished colin richardson around that time it's it's all this stuff leading up to it's like when you go back and listen to someone that i'm sure was very intro or influenced by Ad, or colin richardson right adam d all of a sudden magically one day alive or just breathing appears right but before that you also had everything he did with aftershock you have the first shadows fall album you got the first Every Time I Die, the first From Autumn to Ashes, where he was still figuring it out, right? So there's an interesting parallel there. Well, especially back then, dude, like, it wasn't just bands figuring out sounds. Especially bands that were kind of like these, not frontrunners, but like the, the fucking, like the first of any particular genre, right? The bands that are inventing genres, you know, because they're not setting out to invent anything. It's basically they're just trying to figure out what they want to play. By happenstance, they invent something. But it's like that with producers, you know, especially back then. Because even even now, I, I mean, there's so many things that you could look at. And you have all this stuff to look back on. Where back then, I mean, fuck, man, 89? Like, there wasn't a whole lot of producers that had even produced anything that sounded like Realm, uh, Realm of Chaos. Yeah, for sure. So there's not like a whole lot of backlog of... Well, hey, this is how this is how you should do this album. You know what I mean? Here's how you should record these guitars. Like there wasn't a whole lot to go by. So it's like um legendary producers too. Like they had to figure out their thing as well. You know, where maybe nowadays with especially with recording, you know, software being a little bit easier to figure out, you know, and uh guys can just sit at home with a guitar and like really figure out like at least for the guitar's bass maybe the vocals really get a good idea of of how to do the thing that they want to do and make it sound the way they want it to sound 
where back then, I mean, you didn't have any of that. So it's like, I mean, you, you had four tracks and eight tracks and stuff like that. But like, even then, if you had done that, like say Colin Richardson was sitting in his house or Frederick Nordstrom or something sitting in his house recording himself, you know, it's like, it's a totally different animal when you walk into a professional studio and you got like a 20 plus track thing. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it would translate very well. Yeah, and there's something to obviously also be said about having different groups of people to, you know, record to, different personalities, different techniques. Like, well, also different, uh, what do you call them, the, um, technicians. So you have different engineers. And, you know, sometimes, man, like, you, 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 it's a rare thing to hear about it. But there are great producer-engineer combos. Right. You know, it's just, you, never, you don't really hear about the engineers much, but... The idea of a producer looking at an engineer and being able to articulate what he wants the engineer to do, and then the engineer does it, that's a thing too. Because, I mean, you walk in with a different engineer, maybe you've done two, three albums with this one guy, and you walk in and you got a different guy. You know, you may be articulating it the same that works for the other guy, but maybe the other guy, this new guy ain't picking up what you're putting down. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of things that go into that, and it's just like it just doesn't – they have to figure out – how they're going to do it also. And so what you end up with is like legendary producers. And then it's always funny because you're like, well, what did they do before this? Right. A lot of times you hear the stuff they did before it, man, some of them, I mean, it's straight up just demos. Yeah, pretty much. That's all they could really get their hands on. You know, no one's really going to fucking pay you big money right off the bat when you haven't produced anything. They might, it's, it's just pretty rare. So you're at a time with this band where it's like all of this shit is getting invented. You know, and this is from the fucking band all the way down to the fucking producer, engineer, whoever's fucking going through. Because the other part of that, too, is, you know, now you got to figure out your style as far as miking instruments. Right. One of the cool things about this time, specifically 1989, you know, is because it's really where a lot of things are becoming the thing. You're on the tail end of, of fucking hair metal turning into grunge. Or you're on the tail end of hair metal. You're on the the doorstep for fucking grunge, dude. I mean, we're talking Mother Love Bone, you know, where they're almost grunge mixed with glam. You know, you've got, I mean, yeah, sure, there's been a few death metal albums, but not a ton. You know, you don't have a whole lot to go off of, you know, and you're, you're right on the cusp of brutal death metal or known death metal bands. You know what I mean? Like yeah. thrash is almost done. You know, it's... It's almost out. Priest is just about to fucking lose their singer. Iron Maiden's just about to fucking lose their singer. Two stalwarts for the fucking previous decade, maybe two. It's kind of a cool time for music, like 1989 to 90. Yeah. This is is happening at the same time. Like, I remember, when was that, man? It It was a little while ago. I don't know if I was living in San Diego yet, but I do remember one of the radio stations. Well, it was definitely K Bear 101 in in Idaho Falls, Idaho. I'm on their uh, Facebook group or whatever. And they put up a thing. It was like, what? Man, was it them? I can't remember what it was, but they said, what got you into death metal? And my buddy Damon said, like, uh, you know, bull thrower. And I was just, I mean, I remember seeing that go, fucking bull thrower? Like, what the fuck? I'd only ever heard this band's name one time. Literally one time before 1998. And even, in fact, fuck that. Even in 1998, dude, when, when dude fucking threw in Mercenary, uh, uh, sorry, when he threw in fucking Warmaster, like, he didn't fucking say anything about Bolt Thrower. It's just like one of those things was like, oh, what, what, what is today? I'll fucking throw in Bolt Thrower. I mean, right. until fucking like probably two years ago, until about two years ago, 
I had never heard anyone bring up or talk about the band Bolt Thrower, ever. And I talked to a lot of fucking different people, a lot of different types of metal, you know, a lot of different types of music in general, and not one time did this fucking name come on. Right now, dude, if you want to get on Twitter and get like an, an instant 50 fucking likes, dude, literally just type in Bolt Thrower and then hit tweet. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's all you got to do. Yeah. It's fucking crazy. Like, there's so much love for this band, and I really would like to know, like, because I know for a fact, dude, that the majority of the people that at least that we're in contact or I'm in contact with through our page on Twitter, they're not old enough to be fucking list. They, like they weren't doing the bolt thrower thing when bolt thrower was around. Not, I mean, especially the old shit. Mm-hmm. Like these people weren't even alive in 89. You know what I mean? Like, so it's like, well, wait a minute. What fucking happened? That's a good How question. How old it's, were it's you? Funny. Tell, answer me this. How old were you in 2005? How old was I? Into 20? You were 20? Yeah. So I could see maybe some of them. I was in a bolt thrower by that time. I just, it's not a band that I would like just throw right, on. Right, but I know? could see some of them being like, okay, this is a big deal because, I mean, at 20 years old, you know, the stuff that I liked, even the underground stuff that I liked, you know, I, I loved it. You know what I mean? Like, it is, and I, I still love it now. So... I mean, I guess I can see that, because if, if I mean, I'm, I'm assuming they're your age-ish, you know, within a few Ish years. Ish or younger, probably, probably younger. You know what I mean? But, like, also, I mean, I do know that um, we, we do follow quite a few people who are from the UK, mm-hmm. and I'm assuming that Bolt Thrower's a much bigger deal, in, or, or at least was and is a much bigger deal in the UK than here. Perhaps. Maybe, maybe not That'd right good... now, but I mean, like, back then. That'd be a thing I'd be curious to hear any of the UK fans want to chime in because like some of the dynamics as far as what bands were more prevalent where even abroad, you know, like how many bands do you hear about, you know, from the US just going to Germany and then that's it, you know, as far as touring because they know that's all they have to do for the year, right? Walls of Jericho, notoriously. Well, that's, I mean, that's, I mean, I see that now, but I mean, what I'm saying is like, do those bangers and mosh dudes, fucking A, Daz, Def, Jimmy, Hit us up. I know that those dudes are like huge bolt thrower fans. I well, one think thing maybe one of them might be around, maybe in between our ages. At least two of them are younger than you, I think. I'm not entirely sure. They can put us straight on that. But but what I'm saying is it's so weird because it's like, it's like bands like fucking Carcass and At The Gates and stuff. Like, dude, they were not big until within the last 10 years. They got bigger than they ever were when they were active, when mm-hmm. they were first coming up and they were first active because they're active now. I just, I, I wonder how much of it is people going back. And I'm not saying that they don't love the band. I'm not saying that at all. But we had another band on the fucking docket for this recording session we probably won't be able to get to, I, I don't think. But I mean, that's another band that got, that was way more fucking popular the older they got. Because I, when I was growing up, never heard their fucking name. Very rarely did you hear their name. You know, they weren't on MTV all the time, blah, blah, blah. It was as they went on. Not just your catalog grows, but your leg- your legacy, your fucking legend grows. Right. And especially right now with all this OSDM stuff, I mean, anybody fucking that just heard Frozen Soul might be looking to fucking listen to something Bolt Thrower. Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you what, sure if you're a fan of fucking Frozen Soul years. and you haven't heard Bolt Thrower... You should probably go listen to Bolt Thrower, man, because you're probably not going to be disappointed. Yeah. 
Most definitely. You know, so I just, I always wondered that because I always wondered if it was just like, they just weren't that fucking big here or if it was just like literally just like where I grew up. Yeah, I'd be curious. It's just like, you talk about, I for, A, I forgot they were on Earache for a moment, oh, yeah. which is wild to think. But B, apparently they were one of their top selling bands. And that's just like, that's cool. What does top selling mean in the early days of extreme metal, you know, in the late 80s, early 90s, you know? Like, it's interesting, especially in how much growth there's been in the style in general since. It's just, what metrics are we talking about? I, I've checked some interviews of them. All the interviews I, I went to go check, they're all from the late 80s or early 90s. There's nothing current at all, right? Like, dude, oh, I, like, I, I listen to stuff now, and I'm just like, dude, how, how how did I not, like, how did I miss this? Mm-hmm. How how the hell do you miss this? You know what I mean? And it's not just, oh, I was into something else at the fucking time, because I was listening to stuff that, like, I was listening to bands these guys toured with. Right. You're right there, and just somehow, dude, you're just missing this fucking stuff. I can't think it was just that hard to get in Idaho. You know what I mean? Because it's, it's, I mean, yeah. fuck, dude. Like, I had friends that were in fucking Salt Lake, U- Salt Lake City, Utah. I had friends that were in California. They just, like, literally never came up, dude. You know, it's like, how? It's like that entombed thing we talk about, like, where it's just like for a while, it's just like, oh, yeah, that's, a, that's a name that would come up every once in a while. You know, they're revered in historical circles at the very least. And then all of a sudden that name starts to grow more and more, like especially entombed. That's two bands whose names oh, I would yeah. see together a lot. And it's, you know what it is? Part of it, it's the hardcore scene. Sometimes the hardcore scene is what gets things going in metal again. And it's metal things, you know, like. The entombed core thing. Thomas from At The Gates talks about back in the day, just how, out you know, again, when, when we talk about that wave of metalcore that At The Gates and Inflamed inspired, it was all in the hardcore scene at first, and then it made its way to the metal scene, and they were, he was talking to, at some festival in a press conference all like, man, I don't know why so many hardcore bands are influenced by us. They should be influenced by Entombed. Instead, that makes more sense. And then he's just like, I'm going to shut my mouth from now on, because <laughs> look what happened after that. And so, like, kind of similarly, where it's, you know, it's stuff that does make sense in the hardcore circles, where it's chuggy power chords, you know, a little bit of oomph that might not be there with some other bands. And it just makes sense, because it's like, yeah, it's dudes in the hardcore circle, especially. Well, it's, it's fucking riffs, dude. Yeah, this is a riff band. Oh, yeah, they, dude. Yeah, they tell you right off the bat, you don't, you don't need to be the most technically proficient player to play bolt thrower but it's about the riffs this is that's where i can see with this connecting with anybody across the board that's another thing dude i'm not hearing death metal dudes talk about bolt thrower not until recently again this we're talking recent conversations but up to that point it was hardcore dudes or it was dudes that were just into metal in general well, it's funny too because like you know thrower. you think like oh man i remember when i heard kill switch engage and someone mentioned fucking nah, i don't know if it's an interview or whatever but it could have just been an article and, you know, someone had mentioned Slaughter of the Soul. And me, I'm just like, well, I have to hear that. And I mm-hmm. went and listened to Slaughter of the Soul and I'm like, God damn, like it just blew my fucking mind. Right? And then I heard In Flames. I was like, Jesus. But I still know dudes that fucking still love Killswitch Engage. Never heard Slaughter of the Soul. Yeah, but that, that's just because Killswitch made such a bigger impression. Well, also, you know? I just think there's some people who just aren't that curious. Yeah, for sure. They like what they like. They don't really care about anything yeah. else. But yeah. you know, it's it's like if Gatekeeper came out and said, like, you know, hey, we fucking love Entombed, you know? There's going to be a good portion of that audience that's not going to care who Entombed is if, if they don't already right. know who they are. You know what I mean? They're just not going to mm-hmm. care. 
you know, there are a lot of people who don't really care who the fucking influences are, I guess. I mean, but for the most part, I think like there's a lot of people who are curious, like those people that always want to find new music, even if it's not new, it's new to them. You know what I mean? Yeah. And it's like, Jesus Christ, like I can't believe how fucking popular this band is considering the fact that I was around the time when they were at, when they were like literally active and like never heard their name at all. Like yeah. I can't even think of another band like that. Not, not like this. Cause I mean, I knew dudes that fucking liked at the very least they liked heartwork. Mm-hmm. I knew dudes who at the very least they liked slaughter of the soul at the very least they liked Horacle or Clayman. This is like, I mean, I knew no one. Like, no one mentioned this fucking band at all. Yeah. It is an interesting sensation. And, like, that's the thing. We might not hear about anything like this for a long time, if ever again, because this is the thing we're talking about, you know? Where it's just like, yeah, they were always there, but, like, all of a sudden, their legend somehow grew that much more X number of years later. Like... Well, it, it doesn't hurt that you have an OSD, OSDM scene that's just blowing up. Also, it doesn't fucking hurt that one of the fucking female bass players of one of the bigger bands in that fucking scene plays a fucking Ironbird. It gets talked about. You know, remember when At The Gates came back and they were like, man, we're bigger than we ever were before. And, you know, Carcass came back and they're like, we're bigger than we were before. Uh, you know, even smaller bands like Bleeding Through, like, fuck, we're bigger than we were, way bigger than we were, you know, when we were active. You know, and I mean, absence does make the heart grow fonder. I, I do tell bands, you know, like, hey, man, like, if it ain't happened for you now, just yeah. wait a few years. Yeah. You know, put out a you're... demo, put out a demo at least, and then wait a few years and yeah. then come back. You know, Ref- it's like, refuse, think, of, think of if Seven Angels say if Seven Plays came back right now. Yeah, no, for sure. It's it's wild you know I mean? to me like, that there's an audience for huge. that. Yeah. Yeah, it's ah, uh, it's funny you say that too, dude. Because like I was talking to Gene Hoagland the other day, and he brought up saying it, Seven Angels, Second Plagues, and I mentioned, oh yeah, that's one of my favorite bands. He's like, oh dude, there's another one. If Dark Angel just all of a sudden fucking decided to do a new fucking album, they are. That's fuck. That, that's are why they? He, yeah, I mean, forget about it, dude. They're gonna be huge, yep, dude. Yep, yep. That's one of the reasons he left Testament, apparently. You know, you think of uh, fucking bands no one's ever heard of, dude. Mind Over Four. If all of a sudden they came out with a fucking new album. It's just a weird, fascinating thing, you know, and, and, and I, and I'm here for it, man. Like I'm all, I'm all for it. I think it's fucking great. It's just, it just blows my mind, especially with this band, because a couple things, I mean, there's, there's definitely the popularity bump years after, I mean, there's more people talking about bull thrower right now than there is people talking about memoriam. Yeah. And there's, you know what I mean? And I mean, that's literally the same. I mean, it's almost, it's not the same players. I don't think. But it's the same fucking band, dude. It sounds just the same. The whole idea behind Memoriam was to commemorate their their drummer who passed away. Yes. Uh, and it was the fucking original drummer of Bolt Thrower until two years ago. Like, it was right. literally two dudes. And um, and I like, like the it's whole... It's awesome. Yeah, and the whole connection I love, too, where it's just like the bass player was around for that whole scene, too. He was in Benediction for 25 years. He was in Napalm Death after Justin Broderick left, but before Bill Steer joined, like, like the guitar player is the live guitar player for Benediction. And apparently, cause it's hard to keep track of who's in massacre nowadays, but apparently he's in the new massacre as well. Um, so it is a bit of an all-star cast. I don't know who the new drummer is. I'd be curious to learn more, but yeah, it was a whole idea of like continuing 
the bolt thrower legacy. Apparently, they play bolt thrower stuff. Oh, I'm sure. So I'm gonna have to see. The, that. the other thing that fucking blows my mind too is just like, it's that how did I miss this? Because this shit fucking rules, dude. It's you know what? It's it's funny. I think about it. It's just like because they were just so consistent and always reliable. You don't really think much past that, right? You're just like, oh yeah, bolt thrower is good. And then like maybe the appreciation grows over time. We're just like, yeah, man, they were really good. They're really good still. Like. It's, but it's weird because, like, I bet you when I heard that shit in 1998, dude, I bet I never, I, I, in fact, I know I've never heard them again until fucking like last year. Interesting. That's the thing. But I don't know. I don't know anybody that listens to him, dude. And, like, I, you know, fuck. I mean, we just talked about the OSDM thing and I wasn't really into the fucking thing or whatever. But, like, also another thing, too, I think is a big thing is like, I had so much other stuff that I listened to. Right. Especially fucking like 1998, you know, to probably, I don't know. Well, okay, so early or probably like mid to late 90s, you know, it was it was a lot of rap stuff. I was up on all my fucking rap shit until like probably like 99, 2000, maybe 2001. And then I was over it. I hated all the fucking beats. I hated all the fucking songs. There was new shit coming out and I was like, fuck this. It was all the fucking... uh Little John Eastside boys and fucking all the crunk thing. And I was just like, fuck that. Like, and I just totally dead ass stopped listening to rap altogether. You know what I didn't know till recently is that was like hip hop was almost dead around that time. That's the commercial low point. Yeah. And I'm like, but that's like yeah. one of the last eras I actually liked stuff from. I actually, maybe oh, really? it was a novelty just because of Chappelle's <laughs> show with, with Lil John. But after that, it's well, just like. It was also a low point because it, that was a low point for all music because that's like dead nuts middle Napster. Right. Right around that time. But, I mean, all, like, what happened right there? Dude, all of a sudden, fucking, dude, Metalcore, bam. Mm-hmm. And I'm all in on that, dude. Like, and, you know, also still trying to keep up on my old shit. And then all of a sudden, what happens, dude? Fucking Deathcore. Yeah. I'm like, now I'm all, I'm listening to that, but I'm still keeping up with my old shit. Like, I'm not just jumping from genre to genre. I'm picking up new genres. Mm-hmm. Like, now all of a sudden, my scope is getting way fucking bigger. I don't have time to listen to something or to bother to try to listen to something that I wasn't sure of in the first place. Right. Your options become so much that like you have to grab that attention. Yeah. And then you literally never hear anybody talk about it. And so it's kind of like, well, you know, whatever, you know what I mean? I guess, well, okay. I guess that's a thing. Right. You know, I, well, I didn't even fucking know Bolt Thrower was death metal. You know, it's like, because by that time, you totally forget what they even fucking sounded like. Mm-hmm. I, you know, so I think, because I think in 98, I think the only, I mean, prior to like last year, dude, I'm pretty sure the only album I'd ever heard of theirs was Warmaster. Sorry, Realm of Chaos. No. Hmm. Warmaster. And I'm pretty sure it was just like the song Warmaster and I think uh, Final Revelation. Because that one sounds familiar to me. Or it sounded familiar to me when I when I was playing the stuff. But I know for a fact nothing after that sounded familiar at all. I could see that. I it's just yeah, and I was just like, wow. Because the song titles are so similar and they're just sound overall is some a lot of it tends to bleed together. Uh, oh yeah. Something I found out while I was researching interviews and stuff. Let me see if I can find this quote. Okay, this guy says he says to the guitar player Barry. This is something called Chambers of Sorrow. Definitely guessing that's not a thing anymore. Says, why didn't you continue the World Eaters, Cenotaph, and Ember series on the new album? And apparently there's a hesitation from the guy. He's like, you're the first one that ever picked up on that. And the guy goes, really? He says, yeah, everybody else is saying, 
why do you do the same riff on these albums? And apparently they had some like thematic rim, or, uh, riff thing with one song on each album. Like, I think that's kind of cool. Apparently around whatever album that would have been, I want to say it's maybe, uh, maybe for Victory. But like apparently, you know, they stopped it, but apparently they picked it up again later on. I don't know if it was what the song, same riff. What song is it? So apparently, let me bring it What's back the up. song that has the riff? So apparently the first one was World Eater and then it was Cenotaph. And then it was Embers. So, you know, World Eater on, um, is World Eater on Realm of Madness? Chaos. Realm Chaos, sorry. Shout out to Realm of Madness. <laughs> that's why. And I'll bet you that the, that's probably part of where they got their name. But, but yeah, apparently, so there's that. And then... If- Do you listen to the fucking main, the first riff in fucking the song Cenotaph? And it sounds just like Last Breath by fucking Hatebreed. I mean, there you go, dude. Hatebreed was probably very into Bolt Thrower as well. Oh, fuck, dude. I, you, it had to have been. Okay, so... I mean, it sounds just like it. Here you go. Here, here it is, right here. And then you go on to the Mercenary album, and it says on their Wikipedia article, Powder Burns is a continuation of the song Embers from the Fourth Crusade and leads into the kill chain from those once loyal. So they picked it up X amount of years later, X amount of albums later. That's kind of cool. All the way to the end. So, little tidbits like that, and the fact that nobody noticed, and this guy's stunned. He's just like, "Oh, you, you figured that out." And I guarantee that interviews from over twenty years, if not longer, you know. But like, little little nuggets like that. I like that. Little Easter eggs for people paying attention. But again, yeah, it's hard to tell because a lot of their riffs sound samey, but they're good. All their shit's good to one degree or another. That's that's the thing. They kept it consistent enough. So that's the other thing is apparently Fourth Crusade is considered the experimental death doom album where they really hammered home the doom influence. And I'm like, if you say so, like it kind of sounds like I, I read to that me. too. And I'm like, dude, it just sounds slightly. Yes, slower. it may be a little slower because <laughs> right? okay. apparently they say back, you know, back to their formative days, the candle mass was a big influence. And then they were also really into pentagram, the American pentagram, not the Chilean one. Yeah. It's like, Hey man, can you slow that down by like three BPM? Yeah. Right. So like, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, you know, it's, it's technically it's slower, but the human ear can't tell. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know, dude. Like, I mean, I mean, I, I want to now. I want to hear all these songs in succession. I, yeah, I meant to do that before is. that, and I, or I've been having a shitty day with technical issues, so I wasn't able to get to it. But yeah, I'm gonna do that after this. Like, it sounds like a bolt thrower song, probably right. But just the fact that where they, did you he- read that article? So the first, I'll, I'll send you a screenshot if you want. It was from their website, but it was transcribed from some old website back in the day. Oh, okay, because yeah, I was gonna say I didn't see anything like that on the Wikipedia, man. Yeah. But the uh, the Wikipedia for Mercenary shows the the three song continuation from there on, and so like oh, I was really? I was glad I made that connection. I I went through the, this about as thoroughly as I think you can with Bolt Thrower, dude. Because some like there's some stuff to be had there, but there isn't like it doesn't go that deep, you know. Which is kind of cool. Sometimes it's fun to just look at surface level stuff and be like, hell yeah, this kicks ass, right? Um, but yeah, I, I think this is like the definition of dude. This is like the definition of caveman. Oh yeah. And I used to make the joke, and I still do make the joke, dude. Fucking, you know, Bolt Thrower is like, well, actually, I guess it would be like, Amon Amarth is like Viking, Sweden Viking Bolt Thrower. It's the same thing. Yeah, kind of, It's, dude, there's a reason why, it took me a while to figure it out, but I used to always say, like, Amon Amarth is one of the only bands that I've ever heard that I, I don't hate any of their songs. Not even one of them. I could go for that. Well, it's because it's almost all the same song. Yeah, yeah, for sure. 
you know what I mean? Like they all, it's all the same thing. It's hyper melodic, mid tempo, you know, lots of double kick. It's basically bolt thrower, except instead of talking about fucking just war, war, they're talking about fucking Viking shit. Yep. <laughs> and they're probably just as melodic, if not more. Oh yeah. They're just a little. They're they're different styles. So these guys are melodic in that almost like they have parts that remind me like crowbar. Mm-hmm. You know, where it's the single string, yeah. you know that that sort of thing. Where like a Monomarth definitely has that fucking heart work. You know, fucking Swedish melodic death metal, you know, the harmonies, you know, like that sort of thing. But it's the same thing. It's like he never changes his fucking voice at all. Mm-hmm. You know, they're, the solos aren't like anything. Just, I mean, they're there. They're fine. They do what they need to do. It's just solid, like all the way around. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I mean? It's like and nothing veers so hard that you're going to hate it. Mm-hmm. That's like, I love... Death metal singers that can do different voices. Travis Ryan is a god among men and can do all these crazy things. But just like Frank Mullen, sometimes it's fun to just have a guy do one thing and be really Dude, fucking good. If you're good really at it. good at the thing, I mean, I do regret, you know, not talking about some of that in our death metal vocalist episode. You know, the that dude from Incantation. Where he's just like super fucking low, dude. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and could just I mean the shit just hangs forever. Yeah, you know what I mean. It's like, whoa. like it's just fucking encompassing you, and it's just like, God. And we damn talk it. about do- bands that are kind of in their own lane. I feel like, in addition to Bolt Thrower, Incantation kind of is too, and that's why they weren't really kind of like Bolt Thrower again. Like, really talked about until more people started being able to pay attention because of the internet. I think that's why fucking Bolt Thrower's grown so much of the internet. Kind of what you Probably. were saying, except you actually go a step further than me because you said you heard about it by a word of actual mouth from somebody you knew. Only time I'd ever talked about Bolt Thrower, until even now probably, like with you just now, is talking to other people on the internet about it, you know? Right, so I mean, with with Incantation, it's like, I, I, I think the second someone really took a different, more, like even more of a level of doom with death metal vocals, like, like more so, mm-hmm. and they called it Death Doom, I think at at some point, someone probably reviewed that and said, oh, it's Incantation. Right. Because they've been doing it for years. They just were never called Death Doom. Right. They're just a death metal band. Yeah, a a death metal band that has probably the original Death Doom band. Yeah, I'd be curious as to see, like, who's actually got that stake to claim. Because I feel like every time I think I got it nailed down, I go back a little further and there's somebody else, you know? I mean, I'm sure Paradise Lost has a fucking claim to that. Yeah, they, Paradise know, Lost, got, my, uh, my Dying Bride, and My Dying Bride, one? I mean, I'm sure they've got their foot in that pot somewhere. Anathema. But, I mean, because, you know, we'd have to look up to see who, who came out first. Yeah. But that's the thing. It's like, yeah, I mean, you have that sort of thing where it's like, yeah, no one talks about it. And then all of a sudden, yes, because of the internet. And you do have people saying like, yo, if you like this, you should check out this. And it's like, oh shit, okay, I'll check it out. And then you check it out. And you're like, God damn. Like, mm-hmm. And then you see something, you're like, oh wait, these guys have been around for a long time. Like I could have been listening to these guys the whole time. Yeah. But I do tell you what, man, as far as, because again, I love finding out about old stuff. There's endless treasure to be discovered. When I do go back and check out some of these bands and then I just put it up against what they're doing now, I'm just like, that's cool. I appreciate their legacy. I might just stick with their newer shit. I'll uh, <laughs> bolt thrower, dude. But also Asphix, that new album, I was like, this is like the best thing they've ever put out. I, 
You know what I mean? Like, why go back? Oh, I don't know. I mean, I like that album, but I mean, I think some of their old shit fucking is awesome. Yeah, I mean, I might just need more time with them, but like, there was one other. Oh, Benediction, dude. Like, obviously, Barney's one of my favorite singers, and I'm just like, okay, I'll have to go check out, you know, the first Benediction album, the first thing he ever did. And I was just like, cool. Oh, I don't. I yeah, appreciate I don't like this. The, I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with Napalm. But I don't like, like the first, na- the first. Uh, uh, but addiction, yeah. But like, but they're pretty. They're pretty consistent all the way through, yeah. other than sound. And the new, it's it's, it's like Vader. Dude, Vader's the same way. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's another. That's one I still got to crack one day. I've always. It's. I've just been like, it's cool. Same you know? way. It's 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 almost the Nile disease where it's like every album sounds different. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a bummer, but but they're it's it's really good stuff, and they're they're one of those bands. It's like you know they've been around for a, a long time for a reason. They're super consistent. Right. And, and that's that's the thing. Like you know, when you're a band that's only playing the popular thing, what happens if the popular thing isn't popular anymore? Yeah. Like I mean, right now you probably don't have to worry about it. You'll probably <laughs> be able to keep putting out shit. You know what I mean? Yeah. But back then, what happens? You know, it, or what happens if you're one of those bands that keeps trying to jump on the next thing? Or maybe you know what? Maybe not even that. Maybe you're one of those bands that tries to you just incorporate a little too much of the next thing into yeah. your sound now and suicide silence. You kind of lose your fans. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like it, it, it can happen fairly quick. Not so much nowadays, but like back in the day for sure, you know, to the point where it's like, well, yeah, now no one wants to sign you. Mm-hmm. I, I, I think machine head. Yeah, man. You know, they started little by little incorporating a little too much of these, these outside, um, Fuck straight up. They just incorporated a little more new metal than their fans wanted them to. Mm-hmm. And it turned on them. It did. You know, I mean, it, yeah. it really did. I don't know if we talked and, about this on the Machine Head episode too, but they could not get signed in America. Yeah. Until, um, was it through the Ashes of Empires? Yeah. And they had to release it in Europe for like a month yeah. before they would release it here because they wanted to see how it would do. Yeah. And they also had to put out e-press kits. Right. Like damn near begging for a job. And it's fucking machine head. Mm-hmm. It's just, it's one of those things, man, where it's just like, it's fine. And don't get me wrong. I mean, I like a lot of stuff where they, you know, each album sounds different or each song sounds different, you know, like whatever. But I also like a lot of those bands where it's like, you know what you're going to get. Most you know definitely. what I mean? Especially if they're always good. Mm-hmm. You know, like a dude aborted. They don't fucking change a whole lot. But you always know for at least the last six albums, you always know what you're getting with aborted. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, you don't even have to fucking think about it. Fucking new aborted album's coming out? Fuck yeah, it's going to rule. You fucking pop it in, and it fucking rules. You know, there's something to be said about that. I do like that. And these guys are like the fucking epitome of that, dude. Mm-hmm. You know, like, again, I mean, you know, and that's what I, that's another thing I wonder too, though. And I wonder, not not just with Bolt Thrower, I actually wonder this, um, you know, quite a few bands. I've done this, you know, several bands, where it's like, okay, what would have happened had I heard uh, those once loyal in 2005, I wouldn't have liked it. I can guarantee you. It was too bland, too normal, too caveman. I was into, I mean, I was deep into fucking metalcore at that point. And I was also really deep into like fucking brutal tech death. Right. Like fucking Severed Savior, Decrepit Birth, you know, before they went like straight up just technical. Disgorge, stuff like that, dude. Like, And then also I was still into the fucking metalcore and I was, you know, still like just crowbar, you know? Like, yeah, I mean, for sure. It's, it, there's no way I would have listened to this. I, 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 I would have listened to it, but there's no way I would have kept listening to it. 
Yeah. You know what I mean? What would have happened if I had heard for victory in 94? I probably would have thought, oh, I'd rather listen to fucking Soulfly or Sepultura. Mm-hmm. You know, what would have happened if I heard the fourth crusade in 1992? Oh, I'm probably going to listen to fucking Slayer, fucking Metallica. NWA was high on the rotation list in 1992. You know, Iron Maiden, Judas Priest still like, I mean, you know, it's like, fuck, I probably wouldn't even have fucking listened to it. Right. A lot of times we think like, oh, I could have been listening to this the whole time. But then you think like, but would I have liked it? Yeah, no, that's true. I mean, especially like my entry point into really, really going in on things in 99 to 2000, just like having such a reverence of that earache era. You know, there's a very specific aesthetic to all of it. And there's like this weird nostalgia for something I wasn't there for. Right. But being there, I'm sure like at the time, you know, you talk to a lot of people talking about being a metal metal band, not alternative or new metal or whatever, but like a metal band in the 90s was fucking rough from my understandings. I didn't have a sense of things back it then. It was. I mean, even I had a hard time listening to just the regular metal. I mean, I've always had a, for a long time. I've had a hard time listening to regular metal. Mm-hmm. It's It's always had to be. And so that's what this reminds me of. This this stuff reminds me of like regular metal with like death metal vocals. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like that just real mid tempo right down the fucking middle, probably slower than even power most power metal bands. Right. It's like um regular riff metal with death metal vocals. It's it's almost groove metal at times. The way that the, the way that this shit just literally forces me to bang my head, dude. Mm-hmm. I think we may have mentioned it before on on the on the Limp Biscuit episode, but I mentioned that headbanger, you know, he, don't bang your head challenge or don't headbang challenge or whatever. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, they're playing fucking was it Symphony of Destruction and Inner Sandman, Paranoid, and I'm like, uh, you know, I, I can sit through all that shit. Dude, throw on fucking any fucking bolt thrower song or any Amon Amarth song for that matter. You just I can't, I can't not headbang. Yeah. Even from just a tempo standpoint, I can't not headbang. You know, let alone just, it's just, I mean, fuck. These guys are almost like, they're like the fence around, that's what it is. They're like the guard towers at fucking Rift City, dude. (laughs) You know what I I mean? Like, that's, I mean, fuck. How, to some degree, man, it really, you know, I, I, I wonder... Because, fuck, I mean, god damn it, dude. Back in the day, man, I had all the magazines. I had subscriptions to all the fucking magazines. You know, it's just like, god, how was no one talking about this shit? Yeah, sometimes, like, apparently, it just takes time, right? Well, I wonder, too, if it's just not anything stand out enough. I suppose. Like, that's kind of where I was going back to earlier, where it's just like, it's not enough to make waves by just being good. Sometimes it just takes an element of appreciation later on down the road. Right, they're definitely not like a fucking... Hall of Fame. They're definitely not, to, in my opinion, to me, they're not a Hall of Fame. I mean, some of their songs might make my Hall of Fame, my heavy Hall of Fame, but they're mm-hmm. not a Hall of Fame band. They're not even a Hall of Great band for me, but they're like almost like the definition of a really good band. Yeah, exactly. They're just really, really good and really, really, really good at being really, really they good. They almost remind me of the fucking, they're like the Hammerfall of death metal. Interesting. I mean, people might lynch me for that one. Yeah, but I, but I get where you're saying. Where it's just but that's like, kind of, it's it's that real kind of like just average. Mm-hmm. You know, average speed, average solos, you know, average vocals. And I love Carl Wilts, don't get me wrong. 
But most people that do death metal can do what he does. You know what I mean? Like, there's nothing that they do that's really just going to, like, kick you in the face. As far as, like, like literally other than writing riffs. And here's the thing. They just keep writing the same fucking riffs. Mm -hmm. Why? Because it works, dude. It'll work every time. Yeah. Why is Too Short so fucking popular? The guy can't rap worth a shit. And I love Too Short. Can't rap worth a shit. Because he keeps talking about bitches and money. That's what he talks about. Fucking and getting paid. That will never get old. Ever. These mid-tempo riffs with a little double kick underneath there, that will never, ever get fucking old, dude. Ever. Case in point, OSDM. Mm-hmm. You know, even if it does get old, it'll get old for a little while, and then someone's going to bring it back. Right. I'm always fascinated by people who aren't really, like, riff-oriented people. You know, they might be more melody-oriented, or, you know, they might be lyric-oriented or, you know, singer-oriented. Mm-hmm. And I mean, honestly, let's be real. I mean, the majority of the planet is beat oriented. You know, I mean, that's, we've known that since fucking Babylon. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, right. <laughs> since the Tigris and Euphrates, dude, Mesopotamia and all that shit. I mean, we've known that forever. That was, pro- I think it was, I think it was like the first instrument ever made was a drum. I could buy that. You know what I mean? So it's like, yes, most people are beat oriented, but man. If you're fucking riff oriented, specifically chug riff oriented, man, and, and you say you're not into bolt thrower, I'm gonna have two thoughts. One, if, for one, my coworkers fucking give me shit because I always say for one. So for one, have you even heard fucking bolt thrower? Yeah, you just haven't listened to him enough. <laughs> yeah, that's what for I found two, out. What kind of riffs do you like? Yeah, you know what I mean? Because it's like it, it's. It's kind of that opposite thing of like, you know, the carcass heartwork riff. You know what I mean? The string skippy kind of thing. It's it's like the difference between, and don't get me wrong, they both do the other one. But Iron Maiden has a lot of those fucking melodic type riffs, you know, those single string runs. Judas Priest was a little more of the fucking power chord mm-hmm. chunky. So that's what, I mean, dude, chugga chugga. You know what I mean? Like. Oh, right, how about that? They're, they're driving the chugga train into fucking Rift City, <laughs> There you dude. go. Yeah, all aboard. You know? Yeah, all a fucking board because goddamn, it fucking rules. Yeah. I don't have much more to say about it. I, I, I can't keep gushing about the fucking riffs, man. Like, except I do wonder, like, how much uh, will it's... I, it's the thing I always wonder with a lot of bands is... Um, because I, I every every singer I've been involved with either used to play guitar or played guitar and sang at the same time. But a lot of them wrote riffs just by doing, you know, the Beavis and Butthead things. So it really makes me wonder because of the consistency, if, if Willits had anything to do with it, or if it was just like the two dudes and maybe Joe Bench, you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I, uh, I, I, what I did find is that a lot, they, a lot of, a lot of them helped with the collaboration on the lyrics. And apparently, like, going back I to that I could definitely thing, see that, yeah. Yeah, like, apparently the whole deal, you know, if you especially listen to that first record and then go all the way to those ones loyal, it's just like, wow, what an evolution as far as, like, he didn't know what he was doing when they were starting out. None of them apparently did. They, like, all just started playing instruments around that time, apparently. One of the dudes actually started on bass before he decided he wanted to move to get guitar, and then Joe joined on bass. Um, but I, that's that's the kind of story I love. 
two dudes meet in the bathroom. Hey, let's start a band. You know what I mean? Who's going to play bass? Uh, my girlfriend. You know what I mean? Stuff like, who's going to yeah. sing? We need a new singer. Uh, how about the dude that's been driving us around the country? Like, and the, yeah. like, and that's his starting point, you know? It's like the yeah. story, we'll get into this on Napalm, but a very similar story. It's like, yo, dude, you got to check out this game I play called Warhammer. Yeah. Wait, you play Warhammer too? Dude, let's call this shit Bolt Thrower. Yeah, yeah. But just the yes. idea, um, Lee Dorian, who was, a, his first band was Napalm Death, never did any vocals of any sort. He was never in a band. He was just a, a promoter guy that was around the scene. And they were like, hey, we need a singer. And just okay, I guess I'll do it. And he was learning on the fly. Like that era of those kinds of things. You know what I mean? That's what I'm saying. Oh, yeah. Like there's something interesting to me about 80s, late 80s, early 90s UK extreme metal, dude. That Again, that first initial earache records wave and just the stories behind everything that made into that. All of the UK metal, period, is always so interesting to me because... It's fucking small. Yeah, well, that's funny too. Like, is it's a think, tiny little island. It is. Japan. It, Japan's almost bigger than that. Yeah, and we're just talking England. We're not even talking about Wales and Scotland that are also attached. Yeah. But like the idea that like it all kind of exploded and started in the UK, and this is what I've heard from a UK perspective. You know, it all starts there. Sabbath into Priest into Maiden, and then you got the Wabam with New Age British Heavy Metal, and then you have like these Fucking extreme... Motorhead. Yeah. And then it apparently, from their perspective, it just stops. And then in the 90s, you have like Cradle, and then that's it for a long time. And obviously, there's some other stuff in there too, but like to just to think that like the well kind of dries up a Isn't little. Is it Architects know? from England? They are, but again, that's like 10 what about, to 15 years later. Okay, right. But what about Bring Me the Horizon? Same. Asking Alexandria? Yeah, mid to late 2000s. Okay, so that's another wave. And then now you have this other wave with like Celestial Sanctuary, Memoriam. Mm-hmm. Rolo Tomasi. Actually, Rolo Tomasi's from that last one, but they're like really picking up steam. Uh, employed to Serve, Palm Reader, yes. Black Tongue. Fucking, you oh, name it, Black dude. Black Tongue, fuck. Yeah. Man, they. I wish they were more active, dude. They're playing fuck. shows. I, I guarantee I know, they'll they never come here. Al- they don't put albums out very often, man. No, yeah. It's like, fuck, I wish they'd put out albums a little more often. I mean, I'm not saying fucking crank them out, but... Yeah, think about, know, like, if you're a UK band and you're just trying to, like, keep it consistent in your in your area, in your black tongue and specifically, it's just like, yeah, we'll play a show this year. Yeah, we'll do another one next year, you know what I mean? Yeah, that's true. Nah, because I keep seeing this fucking new wave of British death metal, you know, and... I'm still trying to figure out who other than fucking Celestial Sanctuary is in that. There's some band that they keep pumping for church road records from Justine and uh, Sam from Employed to Serve. There's this one they keep throwing. Maybe it is. Maybe it's the one you're talking about. I don't know. I'd have to. I'd have to see their pages. But they keep pumping up this one band that I I see their name a lot and I just can't remember who they are right now. Um, again, yeah, maybe it's them. I'll have to go back and check that out. I mean, later. I'm looking it up right now. All right, well, let's try this. Bandcamp seems to have a page of new wave of British death metal. Hmm. It's literally fucking Celestial Sanctuary, Garden of Eyes, Infested Angel, who Infested Angel's pretty fucking cool, and made one of my fucking EPs last year, Coffin Mulch. Great name already. That's it, though? There's got to be more. Is that enough to be a wave? A small wave. Well, it's weird. It's weird because the new wave of British heavy metal... I want to do a whole episode on that, but at first, there was a bunch of bands... And mm-hmm. a shitload of them fell off the, you know, fell flat on their face right out the gate, dude. True, but you know what's interesting is how many more of those are getting talked about again, just because there's an abundance of things now. Like 
I hear so many people talking about Angel Witch when the first time I'd ever heard of him was Lars Ulrich talking about that's what he listened to when Metallica was starting. Um, oh, well, yeah, that's that's always been a thing. They were always, they were all into those fucking, uh, that was one of the things that brought him and James like together was their love for the new wave of British heavy metal. Right. You know? and, and But they liked all the underground ones, yeah. you know, budgie and shit like that. Bands nobody, including myself, would have ever heard of if it wasn't for Metallica. No, there's, yeah, there's no reason. Yeah. But yeah, man, fucking UK started the whole thing, and now it's in a healthy state. I Again, hearing it from their perspective, just like where they would have long periods of nothing is interesting to me because like you think about like, yeah, but you had X, X number of years ago, but that was X number of years ago, right? Like, whereas, you know, in the States, we got everything, right? And then you talk to people in Canada, it's like, yeah, man, like you got everything's pretty much along the border, and then, like, it's a special thing when p- bands do Canada-only tours. Like, Comeback Kid, Cancer Bats, and Misery Signals are doing an all-Canada run. Uh, and that's, you know, how many tours do you see where it's just Vancouver, and then the rest of the shit happens in America, and then maybe Toronto and Quebec, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, I just saw an article with uh, the singer from Celestial Sanctuary Quote, unquote, the idea behind the new wave of British death metal is to give a form of identity to the newer death metal bands in the UK because the way UK death metal has been going for a long time has been dragging its heels and falling into irrelevancy. Frontman and creative driving force Tom Cronin explains, Using this term, the new wave of British death metal, it's to show that the UK is relevant in death metal again and we all have things to say. Something that sets us apart is that most of the bands that I would consider to be part of the new wave of British death metal, like Vacuous, Slime Lord, Coffin Mulch, and even Venom Prison, a lot of the people in these bands come from punk and hardcore backgrounds, and with that, there's a certain socio-political views. It's also about wanting there to be bands in the UK that don't just sing about rape and misogyny and glorifying that kind of shit. Amen. Because that's another thing I've noticed. You know, we didn't get it into with the OSDM stuff, but there's not the same lyric themes yeah. as the old fucking death metal. Yeah, it seems more about Specifically atmosphere. Cannibal Corpse. Well, yeah, that's us, yeah. Yeah, you know, yeah. I mean, so there's that. But I feel like with with OSDM, it's about painting a visual picture of a setting, right? Which I'm totally game for. That's I fucking love that idea, right? Oh yeah. And then yeah, the socio political aspect, and also yes, it is celestial sanctuary that I've been thinking of this whole time. Apparently, they are on Church Road. Apparently, so right on. I guess I'll have to finally listen to them. I'll bet you I have, and I just totally forgot. But yeah, man, when I think. You know, my favorite stuff from the UK, I am thinking Napalm, Carcass, Godflesh, I guess, put Bolt Thrower on there. Like, that's my favorite era of UK bands. And just, like, all the stuff that was put, you know, getting put up by Earache back then. When I was doing the research for this, I just, every once in a while, I'll go on Earache's website. They used to have a way more comprehensive thing about, like, their alumni. And I can't tell if this is out of spite or they just don't give a shit anymore. It's just like, yeah, we used to be a death metal label. Now we focus on, like, blues rock. What the fuck is their problem? I mean, they put together this fucking whatever the fuck this compilation is, Who Dares Wins, where literally bolt throwers telling people to not buy it. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, they've, it's not, bolt throwers not the only one that hasn't received royalties. It's just like, how the fuck are they even still a label? Yeah, well, you know what's interesting is I, I, every once in a while I'll go back on and be like, who is on the label? Who's the big band? And like the last time I looked, I was like, I don't fucking know any of these bands. And now, after last night, checking it out, 
Buck Cherry. Get the fuck Apparently they picked out Buck Cherry, dude. Like that's what they're going for, you know? And it's so gnarly to just leave behind a a legacy like that. And you know, how many stories, yeah, have we heard from The Haunted, Napalm, fucking you name it. Any band that was on that label from year to X to year. It's just fucking garbage. And I'm just like, how in the fuck? Why it's would anyone want to sign with these fucking guys, dude? Yeah, which is why when I heard they were moving, dude, the metal check this blade. out. I'm gonna run this. I'm gonna run this down for you real quick. Yeah, do it. Black up. Star Riders, Blackberry Smoke, who looks just like the Black Crows, Buck Cherry, who oddly enough looks just like the Black Crows, Dub War, some dude named Fuck It, <laughs> sick, another dude named Gizmo, Goodbye June, who looks like they could open for Black Crows. The green, uh, so Green Druid, who's clearly a fucking stoner band. They're literally in druid robes. Sounds stoner to me. Love and Death, which that looks like, uh, looks like Brian Head Welch. Pretty sure that's him. Oh yeah, that sounds. I think that is him. Yeah, I remember. Some that guy name. named Hyper. Massive wagons, which looks like a cross between what the what the white stripes and something else. Rival Sons. Yeah, Which that's sounds like a fucking a Black Crows thing. Yeah. Misfits. I saw that and I'm like, what does that entail? What specifically does <laughs> what, that entail? What exactly know? did they loan you their fucking catalog yeah. for a while so you can distro? Scarlet Rebels. Skindred, which, I mean, I can't even believe that's still a band. Apparently they're still massive in the UK. I got that really? first album. It's fun. Same with Dub War. It's the same singer. It's- yeah, this one, Tala... So that is the new up-and-coming new metal band. It's like we've Dude. heard a lot of like new metal influence bands. There's this whole wave of bands that are legit new metal, and they sound like they're, they're, they're modern, you know, 90s and early 2000s bands with modern production. The drummer is Mike Portnoy's son, who's Max Portnoy, who's also now drumming for Code Orange. Oh, so nice. there's, there is actual buzz with Tala. I completely okay. forgot they were on Earache till you so just said that. So Terrorizer... Yeah, and there's some discrepancy about what Terrorizer is because right, you've got the one with uh, this is the one with Pete Sandoval, I'm pretty sure, and then Terrorizer yes. LA is the one with Oscar Garcia. Yeah, and then there's the Dust Coda, which those guys just look like. I'm sorry, but if you're a fan of Dust Coda, or if you're in Dust Coda and you're not a douchebag, maybe hit me up. But you look like complete douchebags. I guess I'm gonna have to see this. I don't remember that. I one. mean, fucking hell, dude. Then you got the Glorious Sons, which kind of looks like Blind Melon. The Temperance Movement, which you got two guys in like Elvis Costello hats. Why does that the white sound buffalo? Familiar? These, uh, those damn crows. Why does that sound familiar? Worm rot, which they're, they're worm still rot's on fucking, fucking awesome. Yeah, dude, I wor- I fucking love worm rot. So dude. they do still have a legit grind band on there. I mean, I guess Terrorizer too, but you know what I mean. Like Terrorizer's legacy, Worm rot is a good modern uh, band that's been going for a long time. Then they got a band called Vector. Oh. That, that describe themselves as progressive space metal. Okay, maybe that's a different band than I'm thinking, because there was a Vector, I think, that was like a thrash band or something. Maybe. I don't know. It's probably a thrash band. Here, let's check it out real quick. Yeah. In fact, let me see something, if it's the same band I'm thinking of. Yeah, it's pretty much just a... Is that Vector with a K? Yeah, so it's a thrash band, but it's like that thrash that has the vocals that no one likes. Yeah. Yeah, Everybody knows what I'm talking about. So, yeah, it's that kind of thrash. Yeah, they don't have a lot on there and good because they shouldn't even be able to fucking stay in business because they're fucking ridiculous. Yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. It's it's a shame. 
They're just like, again, such a back catalog, which they're probably banking most of their stuff off of these days, right? Like, how many times have they repressed likely. vinyl and done the, the special editions with the bonus tracks and the re-remastering? Dude, just fucking cash grab whack-ass compilations that they literally did not... Maybe they just structure their contracts a certain way. They don't have to ask for permission, and that's how they get away with it. But I mean, still, like, why would you want to? Why would you want to purposely make the bands on your label mad? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. That's a good way to do business. Fucking it, what the fuck? Big bummer of a legacy to leave behind, right? So. Oh yeah. And again, by the time I'd gotten into them, they were already on Metal Blade. So when I heard that, I was like, well, that makes sense, dude. That, that's a good fit. You know, and it seems to have worked out all the way up until the end. I don't know why Memoriam didn't continue from Metal Blade instead of Nuclear Blast, but apparently that's working out too. So I guess those two parties are happy, maybe, from my limited guessing and understanding, right? <laughs> um, but no, so that's the big trip is we talked about up to Fourth Crusade. You know, For Victory is the one I always heard about. And again, I listened to it and it didn't really hit me. So here's the big thing is also Mercenary. For Victory and Mercenary didn't really start hitting me until I was leading up to this. And that's interesting. It's like now I got this, oh, there might be something here, dude. Even even uh, the one after that, like the one with Dave Ingram, I'm just like, it's pretty good. It's like there's certain albums I like more than the others. I, I actually think I like, not War Master, a Realm of Mad or Chaos. I think I like that more than War Master just because of how loose and just raw it is. And like, I like Fourth Crusade, but I think I like For Victory and Mercenary even more just because of their use of melody. That didn't really hit me somehow until recently. You know, sometimes that's just how it happens, dude. Fucking Slaughter of the Soul didn't click with me for five years. And it's still not my favorite by a long shot by At The Gates. But something about it finally clicked X number of years later. Like, sometimes these things just take time. I mean, that goes yeah. for the At The Gates influence in general. Like, it took a whole wave of bands being like, oh, yeah, we were influenced by these bands, you know, this band, to really make a huge dent. Well, yeah, because, like, that's what Metallica did. It's like, hey, these bands are awesome. We're going to put a cover. Yeah. You know, like, these bands are fucking cool. Like, we love these bands. And it's like, the weird thing is, because of when they were doing it, none of those bands got very popular from mm -hmm. them. Yeah. You know, it was it was the other bands, the bands that they were wearing their shirts that got popular. You know, bands like Faith No More. Right. You know, yeah. band like The Misfits got very popular because Metallica was wearing their shirts. It's just because of when it was. People couldn't readily get Killing Joke and fucking Budgie albums. You know, but... Years later, you have all of those metalcore bands screaming in flames. Like, you guys got to listen in flames. You guys got to listen to soil work. You guys got to check out at the gates. You guys got to listen to this. If you like our sound, you got to check this out. Mm -hmm. And But now, the difference was now we had a way to hear it without having to fucking get a second job. Yeah, right. I think that's the big difference, you know, because I, I do love that. I love seeing Frozen Soul on fucking stage and their singer's got a fucking obituary fucking cause of death shirt on. And you look over and like, you know, with Gate Creeper, you got this, his, I mean, he's even fucking more contemporary. He's wearing a fucking neck rot shirt every night on tour and, and, and seeing that sort of thing, you know, Sa uh, Samantha with the fucking Iron Bird. Mm -hmm. It's cool to see that stuff, man, because they're, um, I feel like those these new bands really are bringing some of those older death metal bands to light for a lot of people. Yeah, absolutely. You know, and and a lot of people are latching on. Case in point, Bolt Thrower. You know, I mean, it, 
we just talked about it, incantation. Mm-hmm. You know, so it's yeah, it's that sort of thing's really fucking cool, man. And and I'm I hate to harp on it. I know we got to buy music, and that's fucking great, man. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, man, it's just so much more difficult to do when you have no way to hear. Because I mean, Spotify isn't free. I mean, we're all paying for it. But like now, I have a spot where literally, I mean, I could be at a show, see somebody's shirt. Walk outside, have a smoke, and fucking type it in my phone and listen to it. Like, literally that quick. Yeah. It's nice, because if you're a music explorer, now is the time. You know? It's it's like, fuck. It's the best. What a time to be alive. Fuck yeah. Let's get into the list. The list! How about you, sir? Honorable mentions. Ooh, honorable mentions. You know, I noticed the number one song was The Kill Chain, and... I don't really like that one very much. I, it's not that same driving, stomping kind of thing, you know. It's like it's a little bit different for them, and you know, I mean, I was like, whatever. But I do like when cannons fade. Yeah, really cool That's song off that one. I mentioned it before. Suspect hostile. It's like, dude. I mean, I'm a fucking obituary fan. Like, how could I even not like? Something that sounds that close to Final Thoughts. You know, it's mm-hmm. like, dude, fucking forget about it. Final Thoughts fucking rules. But some of the big ones I had um, as far as like, so Remembrance off of For Victory and Forever Fallen. Ember's fucking rules. One that was really close to making my list was Ritual. Because that mm-hmm. opening riff, dude, like, it's just so fucking heavy, dude. Then it all kicks in, you know, it's got a little bit of double kick under there and fuck. It's just mm-hmm. like, you know, another thing I like about a lot of this, uh, well, one thing I like about Martin Kern specifically, man, I like that he fills a lot, but they're not like crazy fills. Right. You know, it's kind of, but he does it like two times mm-hmm. you know, to like make it like a longer version of it <laughs> you know like i really like that dude like spearhead is another one i really do love where is it because i think it's off realm of chaos there's like a three song run one of them is in my fucking list though but drowned in torment realm of chaos plague bear like i mean all all three though like those are fucking all awesome songs it's mostly for realm of chaos it's really like the first probably half of the what would be the CD or tape. The first half is kind of like, uh, probably not the not the best thing ever. But um, what about you? So real quick, going back to Kill Chain. Yeah, it, just, it definitely would make me curious. of like, why is this the big one? And like, after thinking about it, I was just like, you know what? You know why probably? This reminds me of like a wrestler's entrance theme song. Well, also it's like a new metal. I mean, it's like not a new metal song. It's like a groove metal song. Yeah, it's it, a it, completely It sounds like something vibe. that Prong would do. Yeah. Um, so it makes sense, but again, it's just like, remember when we were doing Volbeat and going, this is their most popular song? Yeah. Like, I don't get it, but I do. It's just, <laughs> it's one of those. So on to things I do like, so I gotta preface this real quick, is like, again, I'm, all my shit on my actual list is gonna be from those once loyal. Like, they really, really? crack the code there. Whoa. Like, but, this visit, in particular, things off for Victory and Mercenary are hitting me in a way that they hadn't prior so our, a lot of our list, if we went back now, would change a lot. You know what I mean? Not even just new stuff getting added since we did the episodes. Like, just, like, things might move around, you know? Like, my Deftones list is completely different now. Just because time and oh, sensibilities really? change, right? My, so my Acacia strain would probably be different. 
Yeah. So like, uh, yeah. No, but but my acacia strain would be like from new stuff. I'm just saying, like for bolt thrower in this case, I could see some of this other stuff on those two albums growing on me. Because everybody always talks about, you know, obviously those ones loyal too, but also for victory. Everybody talks about for victory being like the one, especially in the earache days, right? That's one of Ola England's favorite albums and um, biggest influences. So I could see if I spent a little more time with that mercenary, things could be different. And I like the prospect of that, but that's not the case tonight. So I'm going with Granite Wall and this one didn't make the top five just because I like the others, but it's just, you know, it's like we talk about mid pace. It's like they're... They have songs that are faster than mid-pace and they have songs that are a little slower than mid-pace and this is just like even keel, mid-pace and it's got the riffs. It brings the riffs. They're all riffy, but like some more than others and that's the case with this. So on that note, what's your number five? My number five, you just said it, Granite Wall. Perfect. Yeah, it's... I really like the the way it goes from that riff to the little more opened up, but it's not a death metal beat. It's not... It's almost like it's a, I think that's why it got me was because it's um it's a little di- it's a little bit different than the rest of their stuff. Like I said, I mean they don't stray a whole lot. Well, they stray a lot. They just don't stray very far. Right. You know, and this was one where I just really liked that little bit different of a beat. Versus where, you know, something like the Kill Chain, I feel like they strayed a little too far. Or actually, you know what? They just strayed in a, d- a direction I don't like. Yeah. It wasn't too far. It was it was just a direction I'm just kind of like, oh, whatever. You know, and then that bridge riff is like a, a play on that opening riff, except it has like just the really fluid double kicks, you know, underneath it. You know, the China sounds good on the fucking song, but when it opens up in the do 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 like and it just has that cut time they drop the floor out like fuck man like again it's like how do you not headbang to that yeah there's no way you know what i mean and then it's right back into the double kicks dude and it's like they're not fast double kicks just a ticket 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 just really mid tempo dude like this was the one that really really stood out i i like the little solo piece too it's not really like a traditional like ooh guitar solo weedly weedly it's just yeah. a little old school a la you know some of the blues players where they would just do the little melody line gojira does it a lot you know where they don't actually play a, what you would consider a solo but they do have a definite lead line and it's 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 that thing and then they drop right back into that main riff or whatever it's a really cool fucking song what's number 5 for you so my number 5 also again all on those once loyal. We're going entrenched. Nice. And they got their roots in Slayer. It sounds like it's probably their biggest influence according to everything I've heard him say. And this one's like one of the more thrashy ones. Just something about that aggressive pace, you know? Like fucking Oh yeah, those psh, 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 like right off the bat, those cymbal yeah. grabs, like, oh it's fucking yeah, man. just start the train rolling and let it go. Like fucking good, man. And just it keeps a consistent pace. Everything's cons- actually there's one where things get changed up a little that I'm gonna bring around. But like, dude, just steamroller running down a hill, dude. And then it's just you know yeah, that let him go. Yeah, fucking it's just it's flying, dude. Fucking double picking city driving metal, man. Like perfect. Yeah, it really is. That's why I don't. That's, again, I'm not gonna have too much to say on these because just like Bolt Thrower's music itself, it's just good man you know what i mean like it's just this one's got a pretty awesome. cool solo on it though yeah for sure. this, 
This was one I was, I mean, I just kind of didn't say it in my honorable mentions because I kind of figured when you said like you were totally down for this album, I figured this would be, this would be in your, I didn't realize all of it was going to be on this album, but like I, I figured this one would be on there just because the double picking city, you know, I mean, yeah. it's, it's really easy to like this song. Actually, you know what? Yeah, it's really sure. easy to like this band. Yeah, that's that's again yeah. why it's such a great entry band. That's why yeah. it makes sense that there's such oh, crossover yeah. appeal. Like it's just it goes beyond just being death metal. It's just fucking good. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> I guess another thing I forgot to bring up was just seeing pictures and videos of them playing live. You know how some bands have one or two or like are all playing BC Riches, dude. On this oh, yeah. band, all it just looks perfect. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. like, like it just it just makes sense. It works, man. Speaking of working and making sense, what's your number four? My number four is from Warmaster. It's called Final Revelation. So, do 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 do. Big fucking uh, Slayer style intro. Because when you were saying on the last song, I was like, oh yeah, I mean, you can hear Slayer all over these guys, you know? Mm. But how could you not? I mean, that's at the time the most known, you know, heavy, the most known heaviest thing was Slayer, mm-hmm. you know, but this one's just like big hanging chords. Like, I mean, you're like almost a minute in, it's still just, duh, 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 duh. you know, and they're just hanging those chords, you know, and then all of a sudden, boom, like classic death metal. Right. They, it's got the one guitar fucking kicks it off with the fast riff. By the time every, you know, right when everything fucking kicks in all at once, they start hitting the fucking solo. And it's more of like a Slayer-esque solo where it's like kind of more of a frantic, not pretty solo. Mm-hmm. I mean, probably not as ugly as fucking a Slayer solo, but definitely not a pretty or melodic or, or hyper melodic solo. Right. It really, I guess I never really thought about it. But because like, even in the fucking, I don't know if it's the bridge of the chorus, but man, when he's hitting that fucking ride symbol, I mean, it's until you said that with entrenched, man, I just never fully thought about that. The fact that, yeah, it sounds kind of just like Slayer, yeah, you know, but with, Slayer, heavy, they called it. with like heavier fucking vocals, which is mm-hmm. awesome. Cause you know, I mean, I always wanted to hear what that sounded like and you're kind of hearing it right now. Yeah. Um, number four for you. My number four, we're going Salvo. Mm. And going back to the drums again, man. Nice. I, shout out Martin Kearns again, man. It's crazy to think, hey, he's joined when he was 17. Wow. And like he, he was such an implemental part of their band that they broke up when he died, which I kind of dig that they honor him that much. And then, they, you know, Memoriam, literally in the name, to memorialize Brown, the guy. Down, down, yeah. But this whole fucking song revolves around this consistent double bass that's going on right now. And it's the things they do around that, you know? Like, that's cool. Just, it's like the idea of... I like that double pick and riff over top of it. Yeah. It's wild. You know, and then they have, like, like, the one guitar's double pick and the other guitar's doing that down, 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 down. But yeah. not like, uh... Not like Crowbar style where it's, like, right in your face. It's actually just mm-hmm. underneath the double picking guitar. Yeah. There's a subtlety to everything they do. Right, and then they have a little bit of a solo, and it's definitely, like, a really melodic solo. Mm-hmm. I always really liked that. That was something I noticed, you know, while listening to all this stuff over the last week or so, and, and to some degree the last year or so, was um, I like the fact that they can do, you know, the Slayer-esque chaotic solo, but they could also do that kind of prettier, not shreddy, 
but pretty and melodic solo. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if both of them play solos or if it's just one of them, but I mean, it's really cool that they do that. Yeah, I, I was trying to figure that but out. Yeah, too. so many I, of their songs are are, um, are like that, where it's like it's just all kind of revolving around. Like the only thing that makes it death metal, the two things that make it death metal, obviously Carl Wilts, but like also like the drums. There's a lot of yep. there's a lot of double kicks here, man, and mm-hmm. that's kind of why I say like they're. I mean, I used to fucking joke around and say like, oh, they're the heaviest power metal band you'll ever hear, mm-hmm. but. That's why, because power metal does that a lot. You know, they do a lot of fucking double kicks, machine gun kick type drums. It's all, I mean, it's everywhere on power metal stuff. And a lot of it's because you're playing this really melodic thing. Well, how do we make it fucking heavier? How do we make it sound more aggressive? Well, throw some fucking double kicks on there. Yeah. It's a really cool thing to add to probably any part of whatever song you have. Big staple, obviously, in metal in general, and it's just like it's there's it's there for a reason, you know, and that's because like it's one of those things. It just always works. Most definitely. So on to that note, what is your number three? So this is the annoying thing. My favorite album of theirs is the Fourth Crusade. I can look up if you click in their top songs, the song that's in there from the Fourth Crusade, or at least one of them, it'll take you to the Fourth Crusade normal version but for some reason you cannot search it it will not come up any other way you have to go to that song click the three dots hit go to full album and you can go through from there but otherwise you can't do it and it's quite annoying because i don't like the fucking full dynamic range dude celestial sanctuary I love the band named after this song, and I love this fucking song. This song fucking rules, dude. Again, there's probably like five or six songs that sound quite similar. But really what I'm looking for when I listen to a song, uh, 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 sorry, a, a band that does this thing. Say there's a band that does the same thing all the time. The Acacia Strain comes to mind with that really high reverbed out guitar over top of everything. Mm-hmm. Which one of those do you like better? Right. You know what I mean? Or is there just something in the picking pattern that's that you like better than another one? Maybe there's this part. So my favorite part in this song is that fucking don't 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 Oddly enough, there's a song on Celestial Sanctuary that has a riff kind of like that, and that might be why I like it. Like, my, why I like it this much. Hmm. But I do love that, like, for the majority of the song, Kearns is on that fucking ride symbol, And it just has a really nice, like, it's not too, what do you call it? It's not too, you know when the ride, the ride bell fucking sounds like, uh, like it's clanking? Yeah. Now, I like that for certain things. And then the other one, it's like a little tiny tink, tink, tink. This one's like a really nice... In between, you know, shout out whoever mixed this stuff too. Their their production yeah, I, is fucking great, dude. Yeah, I had never heard of these people till I right. was looking up the. You know, it was it was. Um, I mean, I don't think we talked about that, but they tend to have like almost all their albums have like really good production, even mm-hmm. even f- especially for their times, because even fucking yeah. Realm of Chaos sounds great. Yeah, 
War Master sounds fucking fantastic yeah, for yeah. The War Master's time. awesome. It's, it's wild. you know so yeah. There's there's that too. But like yeah, this is this is my favorite one. It is kind of a bummer with the full dynamic. I don't notice it so bad when I because like I'm listening to it now, so I have it like turned down a little bit lower. Mm-hmm. Got the the big fucking headphones on on my computer. I do notice it a lot in my car when there's a full dynamic range version. It generally sounds a lot quieter, you know. And I mean, I just realized why so much, so many things come out remastered, and that's because they're remastering it for streaming. Uh-huh. So you Let's can see. only there's a ceiling, dude. It's called the loudness wars, and they start at a ceiling. The ceiling for Spotify is negative fourteen decibels. Anything over that, the normalization software will actually bring it down. Anything under that. Anything that's really close to that, but it's under, it'll bump it up so that it can kind of keep a relatively close loudness level. But if it's too far, if it's too low, the normalization software won't kick in. Hmm. And that's why you have some albums that like you throw it in a fucking playlist and it's fucking lame because you got to turn those songs so like up so much because they don't match the volume. Right, so interesting, yeah. But if you're too high, the general consensus seems to be you want to be within two dB underneath fourteen. So you either want to be at fucking sixteen or fourteen dead on. You don't want to be too far over because you definitely don't want it to turn it down. Because what it it does is it turns everything down, Hmm. which fucks up your mix. Brutal. You know what I mean? Because like, if the drums are supposed to be loud, if your drums, if for your mix to work right, if you want. Say you're a drum-heavy band and you want those drums to pop and you have them popping the way you want to, chances are, because that drum drums are the loudest thing in the mix, it's going to drop all of that and it's going to kill those drums a little bit in the mix. So you want to be as close as possible. Right. So if you want to do your album... You can mix it as loud as you fucking want. I mean, you can just brick wall it all to fucking zero if you want. You're like, that's fine. But if you're going to put it on Bandcamp, if you're going to put it on YouTube, or if you're going to put it on Spotify or fucking Apple, it all has to have, they all have a ceiling. And so what you do is if you're going to do that, rather than change your fucking mix and try and mix everything down to negative 14, it might serve you well to just fucking master it down to negative 14. So the full dynamic range, basically what that is, is that's, Pretty much saying this is not mixed for streaming. So anything that's full dynamic range, that's why it's usually quieter. Mm. It's so quiet the normalizer isn't kicking in and and bumping up the volume, which is nice because it's not fucking with the mix. So really what you're hearing is the original mix, as far as I can tell. Um, I haven't read anything about it because, you know, fucking earache, but whatever. Yeah, for sure. You know, like I would listen to anything those fucking guys say. Right. What's number three for you? My number three, we're going to take the opposite direction of what I just said, and we're going to go The Last Stand of Humanity. I like this because it actually kind of ebbs and flows because it's got the fast part that it starts with, and then it kind of goes halftime and breaks down in the middle, and then it really, really, really picks up again right after that, dude, and just that whole dynamic. They were onto something, man. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah fucking big time and just the vibes there makes me want to put my head through a goddamn brick wall i that middle part was yeah exactly it's so fucking it's cool because it's like it's almost like that epicness or like that that uh anthemic type of thing but they don't use the harmonies quite as much as like the swedish stuff yeah it makes me think of 
Or even um, as much as Maiden or Priest. Yeah, they, they exactly. Usually, well, they really don't. I've, it's, I've, I've been really surprised by that. Yeah. It's, it's interesting to think. It was Paul from Cannibal Corpse in an interview said, we're technical, but not technical enough to be a, a tech death band. It's just like, sometimes I forget that Bolt Thrower has a melodic element just because like they don't always use it, but when they use it, they use it well. But again, they're not melodic enough to be a mellow death band. When I say they have that, when I say the Acacia Strain has that high ethereal reverbed out guitar over top of their shit, the thing that these guys have is that melodic shit. Mm -hmm. They do it all the time. Yeah. But it's like way more right up front. Right. It's, and every, it makes it so when they use harmonies, you definitely fucking notice because Mm -hmm. they don't do that all the time. They also use it. Uh, differently than something like um like crowbar you know crowbar mm-hmm. when they do it it's like in your face and it's like full sections yeah where these guys are like you know what i mean it's just that it's just these little lines yeah very subtle dude like really fucking yeah, subtle. Yeah, yeah. where probably other bands would probably do that same fucking line but they would probably go you know what i mean like they do the double picking thing right or they would do a harmony part and, and these mm-hmm. guys are just doubling the fucking part so the cool thing is is it's single string but it's really thick sounding yeah you know because they're both playing the same yeah the only thing i could think to compare was like when uh, what's their fucking name? I haven't thought of them in so long, dude. Vital Remains would do that yes. on like Dechristianize, you know? Yes, or even absolutely. take the next step when Deicide finally brought in some melody and they started doing stuff like that too. To a lesser degree, but like just use it in a way that people most people don't think of, you know? And I dig the hell out of it, dude. It adds a it adds another dimension to a otherwise pretty one dimensional band, but like <laughs> a very good but it's a good dimension, yes, you know? Like for sure. so fuck it, dude. How about your number two? Dude, mine is the fucking intro song. Not the intro song, but the intro to the song. It's so fucking heavy, dude. It's World Eater mm-hmm. off of Realm of Chaos. They have the... It's just... Like, it's seriously like... yeah, It's Frozen Soul. It's weird because it's like normally I would think probably anybody else would be listening to frozen soul going fuck yeah dude i love this because mm-hmm. i love bolt thrower and i'm over here going i kind of like bolt thrower because i like mm-hmm. i love frozen soul I, i'm going the opposite way i i fucking i found i really love bolt thrower because i really love Sanct- celestial that, sanctuary that, that's you know, so that's what like, a bunch of wait, people are what? experiencing right now too see how that <laughs> awesome that works yeah it's fucking weird man but like this is something had i heard this in 1989, mm-hmm. I would have loved this. This isn't, I mean, it's not thrashy, but it's also mm-hmm. not death metal, especially 89 death metal. It's it's not like death. It's it's not like, well, I mean, at the time, I think death was the only one I'd ever heard at the time. It's not like that. I, I mean, I guess it would probably be, if you had to choose, it would probably be closer to Metallica, but it's not. It's not even like that. It's it's not a thrash style riff. It's not a thrash style fucking beat. It's it's really like compared to Metallica Megadeth, who for the most part tuned to standard a lot, it's really fucking low. 
the one thing I really love about it is almost like some of those obituary songs. There's not a whole lot of words in this song. Yeah. You know, it's it's kind of a glorified instrumental, but it also isn't because it doesn't have a lot of those, you know, the instrumentals where they have like the solos are kind of like, or they you, you have your guitar kind of singing the melody. Uh, there's none of that. It's just riffing. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's just like fucking awesome, dude. I love it. I love the fucking name. It's just one of those things. This was this was the run I was talking about. Plague Bear, World Eater, Drowned in Torment, and Realm of Chaos. Like, it's awesome. And it's I'm 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 assuming it would be side two. There's twelve tracks, and Plague Bearer is the seventh track. That would make sense. And it's one of those ones where I'm just like, fuck. Like, you know, you don't hear a lot of side twos that are great. Yeah, no, that's true. There's a lot of great songs in side twos. But you don't hear a lot of great side twos. This is a great side two. Because even Prophet of Hatred fucking rules. So this is the one that I really do wish I had heard when it came out. Because this is the one I think in 89, I probably would have liked this one. For sure. Your second, good sir. So my second, which was damn well near my first, which is the first song on the album, is At First Light, dude. Starts with that kind of cinema-esque kind of wartime vibe intro at the beginning and then just gets right into it, dude. And another one, when the melody kicks in, you're just like, oh, dude, that was used really, really well, you know? Sets the tone perfectly. Almost my number one, dude. You'll see why in a sec. But, like, fucking... If I was to put something in front of somebody to introduce them to this band, it'd probably be this right here. Like, fucking great. What a way to set the pace. Potentially. There's a little fucking like solo lick at the end where he does a little like a little like this fucking whammy bar is I just have always loved that thing. It's a little slayerism going on. Yeah. Yeah, the way this one comes in is really cool. The only thing I could think of that's like as good as that is probably my number one. Righteous. <laughs> but also, I'll have to look up the song after we get through our number ones, but it's the first, it's the opening track of one of those Memoriam albums. Mm. Like, it really is just like one of those things where it's like you're, it's like a Monomarth where it's like you listen to a Monomarth, it's like, I'm ready to go to fucking war. Yeah. Like, where's my fucking horse? Grab my mead. Mm-hmm. You know, and this stuff is like, you know, grab my backpack, you know, fucking... <laughs> Grab my backpack and my helmet. I'm ready to go. Yeah, for sure. Something you said just now sparked something in my mind. It's like, I'm surprised they don't have more music videos. Because I feel like this would be a music video one for sure. Like the two that I found, it was just them. It was like shitty, but you know, in their own words, like shitty live footage just kind of po- cobbled together. But eh, I guess whatever gets the job done. That's, just, that's one of those ones where I was like, oh, I should have watched the videos for some of these. And then when I saw what it was, I was like, eh, I don't feel that bad for missing out (laughs) is what it is but on the subject of number one let's hear your number one and then they keep doing that shit except you switch to the fucking with that fucking ride symbol a la fucking slayer yes sir fourth crusade there you go opening track the guitar the way that it reminds me of something like crowbar 
there's not a lot of bands that do that. So not like there's a thing going on there that I don't know what it is. I just, you just don't hear a lot of songs doing it. They either do, you know, they add keyboards or they add a, you know, a harmony and then a third harmony you know, or an acoustic guitar or the drummer's tooing, t- you know, too much or you just don't get a lot of, hey man, like, let's just let this fucking riff ride. Mm-hmm. Let's let this guitar line ride. And they ride the fuck out of this part, man. Because, I mean, it even goes to this fucking type of fucking beat with a totally different fucking part. And then it's boom, right back to that with that ride symbol. Like, and I mean, you're like a minute and a half into the song, dude. You're a minute and a half into a five minute song. They're still playing the intro riff. That's how you know you have a good intro riff. And then all of a sudden, bam, guess what? It's not the intro anymore. He just starts singing over the fucking thing. Yeah. You're in the song you know, now. You know what? This shit's so good. Just start here. Yeah. Like, it's awesome, dude. You know, and you get in there. I think it's not just double bass. He's hitting the fucking toms in there, too. I think it was the first one. I'm trying to think of when I heard it. Because when I... I think it was last year when I decided, like, okay, like, I'm seeing this shit on Twitter. Like, okay, Jesus Christ, we get it. Bolt Thrower's awesome. I'll listen to it. Mm -hmm. Uh, I started at the first, you know, I started at the beginning and went forward. It wasn't that I didn't like anything. I mean, obviously, you know, but this was the first one that I heard that I was just like, I fucking love this. Mm -hmm. I think this album is the one you... That people think it's it's the one that you can sink your teeth into the most out of the earlier stuff, right? Well, here's the weird thing: if it was any fucking kind of quantification or truth to the fact that this is like them diving into Death Doom, I would totally see that because Death Doom is literally like the thing that I've wanted forever. I just didn't even know it. Right. Really fucking slow, really fucking heavy, with really low death metal vocals on it. Mm-hmm. Like that's my shit. Even more so than the fast stuff. But Paradise Lost, I didn't really listen to it back in the day. And I mean, they ended up changing almost sound like Depeche Mode. Mm-hmm. My Dying Bride, a little too on the you know gothy side. I can see that. You know, so there just never was... I mean, there was a band. I just never... I just didn't bother to listen to them because I heard them one time. I thought they sounded money and I was like, eh. But Incantation should have been my favorite band death metal band for a long time because like that shit is like yes slow heavy death metal right but i mean this one is probably their slowest one and it's my favorite so i mean makes sense mm-hmm. you know i i think what people say is the slower one i yeah I, I wonder a lot of it because um granted if i remember correctly well Okay, I can't even say that because it's like I'm trying to say like, oh, it probably has the least amount of double kicks. But I mean, that's the two trick of Martin Kearns, right? It's it's he's got those fucking really cut time beat, and then he's got the double kick, you know, machine gun kick beat. He doesn't do blasts. I mean, this was this is the guy before Martin Kearns too. Oh, it is. Yeah, Martin Kearns only did two albums, which is wild considering all the years that he was with them. I thought he was the main guy. Uh, I mean, when he joined, he was. But no, before that, it was... Because um, I know there's an Alex Thomas, but that was the guy after Martin Kearns, right? Yeah, but before him, there was... 
God damn it. What's his name? Andrew Whale, who was oh. the guy who was the original drummer in uh, Memoriam. Yes, I knew that because they have that section in the Wikipedia where they talk about the departure of Willits and Whale. Mm-hmm. Right. I should have. The W's. Sorry. I should have remembered that. Yeah. That's, it's just like that's his shit. Mm-hmm. And I mean that explains why you, know, you do get some of those different types of beats when Martin Kearns comes onto the scene. Yeah. I don't think I don't it's not that I don't think this dude can play that. Most people can play that. I just think this dude like had a specific thing that he wanted to do over these riffs and it just worked. And it's like mm-hmm. if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Yeah. First day. You know, sure. there's not a lot of herky jerky shit. It's very fluid. And there's not a lot of jazziness to it. It's caveman riffs, caveman drums. Mm-hmm. But yeah, this was the first album that really fucking really got me. And, I mean, and then it just blew me away that it was 92. I, I, yeah. I just couldn't even fucking believe it. I thought for sure maybe they probably jumped up. Like I thought I was probably in the 94, 95 range given the sound of it and the style or whatever. And just was like, wow, like 92, like, you know, and I mean, I don't know, man, 92, I was on a whole different fucking trip. So I might not have been into this, but like, yeah, this is definitely my fucking favorite one. And that song just fucking rules, dude. What's your number one? My number one title track. Those once loyal, dude. It's the, the verses are already awesome where it's like the slayery kind of vibe, but not like the overtly sinister one. It's just kind of meandering. And then those melodic choruses, dude, like, the vocal patterns remind me of something that obituary would have done in the mid nineties or something. You know what I mean? Like just the vibe is there. There's, there's just a groove there. Yeah. That guitar so, over the front. It's sick, man. It's, it's why it barely nudged out the other song for my number one. Like it's just total vibe. Yeah. The chorus on this was definitely the, the highlight that and that yeah. little, it's a harmony part. There's a harmony there. It's just a lower harmony. Yeah. Uh, really gives it a cool fucking sound that they don't have or use all that often. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, that chorus is like, I <laughs> can forget about it. Yeah. Yeah, it's fucking nice, man. Had I been in a fucking melodic mood, this might have made my list. Yeah. I was. I, I'm pretty sure I was in more of a crushing kind of mood. Yeah, for sure. But I mean, yeah, that's fucking A, dude. Like, it's it's one of those bands, well, like Hammerfall. It's one of those bands like Obituary. It's one of those bands like Hatebreed or ACDC. Fucking, you know, you name it. There's plenty of bands like this where it's like, if you like one song, you're probably going to like their whole catalog. Yeah, for sure. You know, that's, that's just how it is. That's how it is. But like, <laughs> that's, you know, you're not going to get any rush shit where it's like, People do like the entire catalog, but like, for the most part, there's a lot of people that are like, oh, I like all their stuff except for like these three albums. Mm-hmm. Or I like their stuff until they start doing this shit. You know, Voivod's the same way. Dream Theater's the same way. There's always these albums here and there where there's, or album runs too, where everybody's just kind of like, whatever. And then all of a sudden, oh, okay, they're back. You know, it's, you're not getting that here. Yeah. I think it's an underrated thing in music to be a one trick pony because if you have a long career, which these guys pretty much did Mm -hmm. fairly long anyway. Yeah. 
Almost 30 years. Well, I mean, they're not a band. They haven't been a band for a while. But, I mean, just even till 2005, I mean, from 1988. Right. You know, to 2005, I mean, that's a pretty decent fucking run. And they weren't cranking out albums every year. I mean, these guys toured a lot. Yeah. So to be a one-trick pony and have a long, even a long to semi-long career is amazing because basically what it is is like I've said it before too there's nothing wrong with being a one trick pony when you're really fucking good at that one trick exactly yeah you know and it's like there's something to be said about that because when you have bands like Nile where the production from album to album just there's no consistency mhm it's like every album sounds fucking totally different than the other one yeah they sound like completely different bands at times from time <clears throat> yeah to time. and it's it it makes it hard to like the whole catalog dude yeah, you know, so you're not only are you mastering your, you know, you're saying like this is our craft. We're mastering this craft right here. We're not trying to master your fucking craft or this fucking other type of thing. We're mastering this, and then you master that, and then also you get the consistency with the fucking recordings. You know, the production because behind the scenes, I mean, they did have a lot of issues with label stuff. Oh yeah. You know, and people leaving, people coming back. <laughs> you know, I mean, I thought it was so weird when it's like, oh, the departure of Carl Willits, and then you find out like he never, oh, he came back and recorded this album. Mm-hmm. You know, and then he, and then he fucking bailed. You know, it's just like, yeah. it's 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 very odd. But but the thing is, like, yeah, it's it's uh, it's kind of set up to be inconsistent, and somehow they managed to be consistent doing it. And it's like you got to applaud a band for doing that shit, man. And I mean. I think realistically, like these guys could have kept going. For I, sure, I understand yeah. why they didn't want to. Yeah, but they could have kept going. Yeah, you I know, do and applaud that. literally changed nothing, and probably cranked out in this in the in the amount of time probably would have cranked out another five albums. Mm-hmm. I, I I think it had they done that. I I wonder what the fucking popularity situation would be like with that. There's something to be said too about not overstaying your welcome as well. Yeah. And again, like I like that whole idea of they had they were working on another album and they were like, it's not as good as those once loyal. Let's just yeah. fucking cap it there. And they just kept touring as long as they could. Having said that, I do like continued output from Carl in the form of memoriam. And it's just interesting to me also that the other three, like they haven't done anything. Supposedly there was some photo of them hanging out at a party a couple of years ago, getting everybody going, oh, maybe they're going to get back together, but nothing came Yeah, back. I saw that too, and I was like, uh, I mean, as far as everything I've read, it wasn't a bad breakup. No, yeah. So just- why would it be that weird for them to be at a fucking party? Yeah. <clears throat> like, why would that, Why I don't understand how that translates to, oh, they're getting back together. <laughs> you know, it's mm-hmm. like they're literally just hanging out. Yeah. Um, the song I was thinking of by Memoriam was Onwards Into Battle. It's oh, there you the go, yeah. opening track on their album from last year. Fucking, <laughs> you know, it's just like, dude, come on. I need to spend some more time with that last album. It's so did. crazy, dude, because like you listen to it, it's like, it's so bolt thrower. Mm-hmm. And I mean, that's the, th- I mean, that's the thing. I mean, it wouldn't be hard for him to find, you know, somebody who could play, because I mean... There's probably been people that have been playing Bolt Thrower songs for a long time. They don't do anything too terribly hard, you know? So it's Scott Fairfax and Frank He... Uh, oh, so it's one guitar player. Mm-hmm. But it was formed by Scott Fairfax, Frank Healy, Andy Whale, 
and Carl Wiltz. Yep, 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 yep. So two-fifths of the classic, a yeah. classic bolt thrower lineup. Yeah. <laughs> a dude that was in Benediction and Napalm Death on bass. And then the other, yeah, and then the other guy's from Cerebral Fix. Mm-hmm. Well, he also does the live guitar for Benediction, and he also um, apparently is in the new version of Massacre, which has three guitar players. I haven't. I need to listen to more of that new massacre. I don't even know if that dude's on the record or not. Dude, it's the same. You know, like it's just the exact same thing as Bolt Thrower. If you haven't heard of Memoriam and you do like Bolt Thrower, hey, start listening. I mean, they got three fucking albums, dude, mm-hmm. and they are. It's Bolt Thrower, dude. So if you want new shit from Bolt Thrower, man, go listen to fucking Memoriam. It's equally as fucking good, dude. It's awesome. Yep. Highly recommended. I'm just looking at the Memoriam set list now to see what um, see what Bolt Thrower songs they play. I'm going to do a little more research on that. But friggin' A, man. It's Bolt Thrower. It's just good fun no matter how you slice it. Do you want to do the top tracks? Inside the Wire from... The uh, Honor, Valor, something, something. I was going to say Hustle, Loyalty, Respect, like yeah. John Cena. <laughs> there you go. Oh, my God. That would have been great. Okay, so number nine is Those Once Loyal. Sweet. At 979,000. So the other one was 777. Uh, then Granite Walls at 1,032,000. At First Light is 1.2,000,000. When Cannons Fade is 1.3 million. So, I mean, right there, one, two, three, four, right off of fucking Those Ones Loyal. Mm-hmm. Uh, for Victory is number five, 1.9 million. The Force Crusade, 1.681 million. Anti-Tank, Dead Armor, 2 million. And they have them out of order a little bit. So, at 1.8 million is No Guts, No Glory off of Force Crusades. Or, sorry, off of Mercenary. And then number one, by quite a ways, do 4.4 million, man, The Kill Chain. Mm-hmm. You know, and I wonder if it's been in a movie or one of those weird playlist or playlist breakouts, maybe. Well, it could be a playlist, could be in a movie or video game or something, because anytime I see something that from a band that pretty much sounds mostly the same each time, to see it that much higher, you know, maybe they had a, a video on MTV or something. Mm-hmm. You know, um could be a lot of things, but yeah, man. People like what fucking, they like, good on them. Yeah, fucking bolt thrower, dude. Absolutely. Are you a Bolt Thrower fan? I assume so because you have a pulse, but let us know anyways on the socials. Metalist Pod at Twitter, Metalist Podcast everywhere else. Are you one of these people that bought exorbitant amounts of money's worth of Bolt Thrower merchandise? Vintage Bolt Thrower merchandise. Apparently that's a big thing. Let us know. Hit me up at Yes It Is I David everywhere. Do you just enjoy some Bolt Thrower from time to time? Do you have cassettes that you're really proud of from the Bolt Thrower? Man, that was something we never really touched on. The logo at times looks so dumb it looks like a power metal band Mm -hmm. you know and then some of the album covers i like the ones where it's like the first two albums i mean fuck dude that shit looks cool as fuck and then like fourth crusade it's just this fucking painting of literally the fourth crusade not the fourth crusade i should say it's the you know the downfall of uh, constantinople Mm -hmm. which dropped during the fourth crusade but then you got like fucking mercenary which is like a cheesier version 
Yeah, which I love. That, again, that was my first introduction. You like that one? Yeah, and I, I guarantee it's because it's tied to my roots. You know what I mean? Like if it was, I was just some guy now checking it out. I'd be like, it's oh, almost like it's okay. almost like instead of Warhammer, it's more like a fucking Call of Duty or something. It reminds me of some and, you know. shitty novel from like the seventies. Oh yeah, you know dude, I mean? those Mac Bolan. Hey, ask your grandpa about Mac Bolan. Yeah, that's probably why. You know? Those were like Rambo books before Rambo was a thing. My dad used to read that shit. Yeah, man. or uh, for victories, just fucking dudes. Or like a video sunset. game cover for like fucking Solid Snake. Yeah, the original Metal Gear. Well, you know the story behind the original Metal Gear? No, it's, but... It's Kyle Reese what's... from Terminator just illustrated. Oh. It's literally that. Just like the cover for Contra is... Arnold in, uh, I think it's Commando. If it's not Commando, yeah. it's Predator. Yeah. And the other guy's full-on Rambo. And then the thing in the background is a Xenomorph. It might even be the yeah. Alien Queen from Aliens. That's just how they rolled back in the day. Fucking Simon Belmont from the first Castlevania is a backwards-facing fucking Conan the Barbarian that's holding a whip because <laughs> Indiana Jones was popular <laughs> at the time. That's just how they rolled back in the day. Honor, Valor, Pride. I do like that one. That one's cool. That one reminds me of a updated version of the first two album covers. Exactly. Yeah, it had to be like, ripped right from one of those things, or like an inspired version. Now we're not talking about, you know, swords and sandals, you know, we're talking guns and fucking whatever. Yeah. You know, but then you hit those ones, Loyal, it's, uh, I mean, I'm assuming that's some sort of a famous... Uh, Apparently it's a memorial from... Plaque or uh, yeah, something. because I guess, like, specifically, those ones, Loyal, is about World War One. Apparently, that's some sort of memorial in London, like the backside of a memorial, apparently. And the four victory is like, I don't know, some band of brothers shit. Yeah, it's, it's dudes walking along a sunset. Fucking with ruck packs and shit. Yeah. I mean, it's it's whatever. But I do like how this they uh, the the letters in Bolt Thrower are transparent so you can see the sunset behind, like in the logo. That's pretty cool. Yeah, and then the first album is just this weird black and white kind of, you know, typical for the time thing. Well, is it the one that they use for the Peel Sessions? It's very similar to it. Because that one's kind of cool. I, I don't mind that if one. If you told me I mean, that's a zoomed-in version of their first album, it's I like, would like, would I want it. any merch? I don't know. It's cool, too. Like, Warf Lurch has some fucking merch where they have their name in the fucking Bolt Thrower logo. That's <laughs> yeah, pretty exactly. cool. Yeah, I, who loves a, I, I love a good rip when it's done well. Oh, yeah. If you like any of these things, hit us up. Let us know. Like, rate, review, subscribe, follow. Tell all your friends. And until next time... For victory. Eat your veggies. <laughs> I, I didn't know what to do. <laughs> Fuck your prayers. Talk to you then, folks. Later. Bofa. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, Romeo's uh, little sisters, one of them's like five years old. The youngest one's five years old. And... Their babies, like Romeo's girlfriend, like used to babysit them, and so I just like a couple weeks ago, um, Kai, the youngest one, fucking calls Romeo's girlfriend while she's at work and says like, "Hey, have you seen Bofa?" And Natalie's like, <laughs> "Bofa what?" And she's like, "Bofa these nuts," and like starts <laughs> laughing and hangs up the phone. And I'm like washing dishes and Ro- and Deja's on the phone with Romeo and he's telling her the story right. Uh, and on speaker and i mean i heard that and i started laughing so fucking hard dude i was like oh my god and then we fucking uh you know deja's like oh your dad's can't stop laughing and romeo's like yeah because it's hilarious and then we're outside having a smoke dude just like 
I, I, I was just thinking about it, dude, and it just made me laugh some more. And De, you know, Deja's like, well, what the fuck, you know? And I'm just like, dude, it's just fucking funny. I'm just picturing Kai fucking, you know, like how giddy she was, like after she hung up the phone, like, yeah, I got her, you know? And like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm like, it probably made her whole day, you know? And like, then I started laughing even harder because I'm sitting there thinking, like, wait a minute, it just made my day. Mm hmm. You know, so then we're up in fucking Sacramento and I was going to go have a smoke, dude. And fucking Travis is like, come on, motherfucker. Like, you know, we're having an hour lunch. And I'm like, doesn't mean I can't run downstairs for five fucking minutes, have a, have a cigarette. You know, and he's all, fuck that. Come on. And I'm just like, dude, fuck. All right, fine. I'm going to go take a shit. <laughs> you know, it's like fucking go downstairs to the, to the lobby bathroom. Just fucking wrecked it, dude. And I fucking sent Travis this text. I'm like, it just said LMAO, just wrecked the lobby bathroom. Bofa. And, like, all of a sudden, like, the whole trip, dude. I mean, it's just, I say Bofa like I am Groot. <clears throat> you know nice. what I mean? It's just just Bofa, dude. Like, I, I I was checking into security at the plane to get come back home, you know, and the security guys, you know how they have you pull your mask off? Mm-hmm. Well, and I don't you, know. I haven't flown since, but, oh, yeah, I'd have yeah, to. Yeah, you got to pull your mask off so you show your ID, right? Oh, you pull okay. your mask off, and the guy's like, oh, man, it's an awesome beard, dude. I really dig it. And I just looked at him, and I said, Bofa. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> and he just looks at me like he gave me this look of either A, I know what you're talking about, mm-hmm. or B, I know that I don't want to know what you're talking about. Yeah, 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 <laughs> you yeah, know? yeah. Just, for sure. We're in the fucking grocery store. We stop because we get, like, you know, whatever per diem. Mm-hmm. And I thought, well, you know what, man? If I fucking get take care of my lunches – I mean, I'm making extra money because I'm not spending my per diem, right? There you go, yeah. So we all go to the grocery store. We're, like, walking through this Walmart. I'm looking for fucking sandwich meat. And Travis and, like, one of my other coworkers are off, you know, doing whatever the fuck, looking for whatever they're looking for. And all of a sudden, I guess Travis has said, like, oh, man. Or uh, Martine said, like, oh, we lost lost Jason, man. We got to find Jason. And Travis, all of a sudden, (laughs) just from, like, across the fucking, you know, a few aisles over, I just hear this. Sourdies! You know, and so I immediately was like, the Sourdies! And like, Call all of a sudden, response. dude, like, it's it's our Marco Polo. Nice. I mean, it's, dude, it's ridiculous. Like I said, I mean, it's, the people we work with probably think we're fucking obnoxious, but I'm like, we are fucking obnoxious. We just like to have fun while we're working. Yeah. Wear, wear it like a badge. 